Hey guys, it is me, Alex, and I am in a studio that is lovingly called the Echo Chamber, though it doesn't really echo nearly as much as it used to, and it's not very chambery, and the creepy door doesn't have a lock on it anymore. So really, all of this is misnamed, but what is not misnamed is Miss Nate Brantley. Hello, sir. Miss? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was saying misnamed, and I was like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go with the Miss run through. What's going on, world? Yes. So we were recording I've this. I've got that sexy feminine voice on the other side of this mic. So. It, it's very nice. You should go into those 900 lines, which I don't think exist anymore. Do they? Do they not exist? They well, might. I don't know. I haven't. Maybe I'll oh. need to look up, look that back up. Yeah. I used to always think it was so funny to put together like 1-800 big tits. Yeah. And then call and listen to the message and giggle and hang up. Yeah. I used to do that when I was a kid too. Like I, those, I yeah. did that like three weeks ago. Oh. Well, I have the internet now. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I can... Are there naked chicks on the internet? There's three. Hmm. Two of which are like fives, and there's one like that's like an eight and a half, which is pretty I saw nice. Aaron Andrews naked on the internet once. Was that's, that the one... That's it. That was, that was a sports chick that they took the pictures through the keyhole. Through, through the, the keyhole. Yeah. the fucking yeah. creepiest thing ever. How this intro into a keyhole sex tape within 30 seconds. Pretty... Yeah, that's the way the show works. I was trying to cut together some of the standard commercials to give to the dude that owns the standard, and the first one I found was like midway through I started talking about the Holocaust. <laughs> and then another one was uh, was uh, I started talking about existential philosophy and how our world is completely empty. That's the best way to get people into a bar. Well, no, that was, that was the thing. was the that, seats. Yeah, it was that, uh, that everything is empty and useless and that really what you should do is try to numb yourself out at the standard. Yeah, at the <laughs> yeah, standard. It's, it's one of these, I'm, like, I'm not going to give him that one. So. Yeah, that probably <laughs> is going to generate a really cool customer base that's going to tip those waiters. Hey, down. I went there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So the reason we went back and recorded this thing is because I forgot to introduce Nate on the episode because, well, let's face it, I'm not a professional. And I wanted to tell you guys that you can find him on Twitter at Nate Brantley, uh, which you should probably spell and maybe pronounce better. Cause, but I think that's right. Nope, that's perfect. Yeah. Nate Brantley, N-A-T-E-B-R-A-N-T-L-E-Y. And that's any uh, any other things? I know you got like a business, you flip over houses. Yeah, if you are interested in any of that stuff, I sell real estate in Vancouver and Portland and boring shit but i mostly flip foreclosures and if you want to look at renovation before and afters i'm flipping a crack house in vancouver downtown so perfect yeah there's pictures of needles and there's a makeshift toilet that they uh you can find which picture that's in but oh yeah uh surprise it's a it's a bucket with a bag in it um you can see those pictures at flipnw.com or at flipnw on twitter it's my renovation stuff that i do i'm doing the nastiest one that we've ever done uh, 55 flips in this one takes the cake is the most fucked up one we've ever tried to get in and there's needles everywhere oh. and yeah man a couple people died in the house two of our crew before we bought it two people died in there but then two of my crew have seen ghosts in the last really? two weeks yeah like not crazy real people were like were in the basement and said that they saw ghosts felt something who knows? There's Whoa. a stair. There's a stair- yeah. stairway to nowhere. There's a creepy attic. There were beds of garbage where people were sleeping and doing intravenous drugs, leaving. Uh, and the dude that owned the house before was a hoarder. So yeah. yeah. So we tore that house. We've already put ten grand into just throwing away all the garbage in the house. So oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, the pictures are pretty crazy. Uh, I normally don't push my work shit because you're either interested in it or you're not. But if you like to see before and afters, I flip houses in Vancouver and 
try to make them look nice. You can see the pictures online. A lot yeah. of people like to follow that stuff because it's like all the shows on HGTV without all of the bullshit and the stupid like storylines that go yeah. along with that. So. And it's you know actual real life, and there's no you know yeah giant reveal. You know, where yeah, there, there, yeah, there's not a giant reveal where they pick up the, the curtain and there's just a whole new house built there. But hey, how how do you do that in like when you've got needles and shit? Like, do you have to have like a like a safety officer or a crew? Like, do you have to do like extra shit? Uh, with non-union labor from Craigslist. Um, no, just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, he didn't wink at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, we just the the needles have to be disposed of in a in a, in a sanitary way. So we actually shoveled those up, and uh, somebody from the, the city waste actually came and picked those up. Um, but we found little stockpiles. There were there were some diabetic needles and insulin jars, but then there were other needles that were like in the carpet. Yeah. And, like in piles of garbage oh. like where people were squatting and doing drugs and all sorts of shit. So like we demoed a wall out and a wall that was framed in within that wall. We found a Christmas tree and some garbage like <laughs> just framed into the wall of the kitchen. So like they filled it with garbage and framed it. And the, the garage was floor to ceiling with just, I guess, years of garbage. And the neighbors all said that like because it has a tin roof or aluminum roof. Yeah. And they said that in the summertime when the, the sun would beat down on the oh, garage, no. it would just make the whole block smell like garbage. Ugh. So, And the uh, the previous owner was a hoarder who worked for the garbage company and would just bring shit home from work all the time. And then uh, just stuff this 3,000 square foot house full, to, full of garbage in every single room. So that's, that's what I've been tough. working on for the last few weeks. If you want to see that shit show of a house... Um, FlipNW.com. Yeah. Watch it get real in a hurry. Watch the, watch, <laughs> yeah, watch the, watch the miracle happening. That's fucking scary. I don't like that shit. It's going to be beautiful yeah. when it's done though. I no, mean, we found hardwood yeah. floors that are a hundred years old and they're in good shape and it's just kind of a creepy house, but yeah, no, the, the, the whole needle concept is just creepy. Like they've fucking, been living yeah. in there with no running water and, uh, they had electricity, but no heat. And it had um, no running water for at least the last little bit that they were there. So I was really curious about where they were going to the bathroom. Because there's four or five people that were living there oh. that whole time. And during the demo, we found there was all these like outhouse, not outhouse, but uh, outbuildings in the back where they had shit stored, literally. And uh, we found a bucket with like a Fred Myers bag, like a plastic bag, like over the, like yeah. one of those painters con contractor buckets where they had just been shitting in bags and then filling, like throwing those bags into a pile. At least they left the main house, <sighs> man. People yeah. live at a certain point. You got to draw a line of what your what's acceptable living conditions. You got to make a move. I mean, I know shit happens to, to good people, but I mean, it, you got to at a certain point when you're shitting in a bag outside, Maybe yeah it's tough so they they just totally let the place go and get overran with garbage and it was pretty crazy so fuck yeah yeah so <laughs> good times yeah, yeah so that's my life yeah fixing up that nasty shit well, that's good you know changing the world for the better yeah baby. Uh, all right so uh people at home please enjoy the next uh time that we are talking it's going to be nate brantley and myself having an episode and it'll be good please enjoy the random thing that i'm going to put between here and the start of the episode good evening Come on down to the standard. 14 Northeast 22nd. 14 Northeast 22nd. 
Northeast Portland. Conveniently in America. Perfect. Cast intros. Yeah, <laughs> and Alex and where I just start saying random shit. Is that is that good volume for you? Uh, yeah. The problem is when there's three people in the room and then it's herding cats of me going. Yeah, over here. Yeah, I've listened to enough Joey Diaz podcasts that I know that it's super annoying if the volume changes drastically. Literally, the reason I don't listen to Joey Diaz is is the the what church of what's happening now. The I still I, do I, the <laughs> sound on it. I just and it's not his fault. The equipment's fine. Like. Sometimes it's good for that amount of time, but it just that studio it drives me nuts. Shitty. You got to be in a real studio. Yeah. You gotta you gotta be able to be loud. And you gotta be able to have good mics. And I don't know. Even video, I think, is the way that a lot of them are going. Just being yeah able to be on YouTube and stream and I just Vimeo and yeah I I, uh, I gotta fucking figure that out. I I I hate watching podcasts. I just I think it's boring as fuck. But yeah. people like it. Yeah. Like I don't know why it makes no sense. I can't imagine it makes anything no I want to do less than look at people talk. You know? Yeah, but I, I anyone that is on both and I can listen and watch, I always put it on my second monitor and I normally bury it behind tabs and I'm not really watching it anyways. But it is you get more of the conversation when you can see somebody saying the words. I guess. It, yeah. Uh, you can kind of see their mannerisms and. I don't know. You can see, you can get all their nonverbal communication when you can see it. So some of them, like the Rogan one is more produced and it's like kind of more of a TV show where they have yeah, somebody that'll like, cut that's, that's video. a bit of an exception. Cause there actually is yeah. three different monitor or three different cameras or whatever. And, and they split actually screen they have somebody and, that's just sitting there shutting the yeah, fuck up that's, and moving it. I, yeah, I don't really count that as the, that's not the podcast I'm talking about when I say video. It's the, uh, even, uh, you ever watched, you know, how to videos, well, you know, uh, Ray Taylor, uh, do you know the inspired disorder collective? Are you friends with those cats? Uh-uh. He's, uh, oh, he's a student in San Diego. We're friends on, on the Twitter. I'm, I'm part of the collective. He does the inspired disorder collective, but when he does his, it's on Skype, but three different windows, all three people, like it's him, his co-host is in cool. like Cincinnati or something. And then the the third person screen so it actually looks really good and produced but he does that way so he puts you know four different files out or whatever but for me i i like editing like not editing i like i like producing it so it sounds good because like if this one like if this goes out live it's fine but the levels aren't where i want it i don't get the theme song and generally i forget to do the ads so i have to go and fucking put them in later yeah. So that anybody that listens live, I kind of fuck my sponsor out of their things. I think the next evolution of where it's going to go with the podcast are the the leaders like Joe Rogan and maybe Adam Carolla, whoever those yeah. top guys are. Uh, I think they're going to start to produce like their own shows. They kind of touched on it one day. They were talking about like do a 30 minute podcast about pool cues and interview the best people or whatever. Yeah. I feel like 
even that type of media creation is going to switch over to the internet and the podcast form where it's just totally free and it's the people that know what the fuck they're doing and they are making the decisions and producing the shows and cutting out that like like I like Joe Rogan a lot but like that show on sci-fi it was fucking it was pretty brutal to watch yeah like, it Joe wasn't Rogan that good <laughs> like I like him and I like Duncan Trussell and you know I, I support like the whole desk one network yeah. I like those guys um I've seen a bunch of their shows live and they're all like my, some of my favorite comedians. That show is like typical example of too many uh, chefs in the kitchen and too many people have an input over it. And then kind of just dumbing it down for the masses, I guess on yeah. sci-fi, they should have gone hardcore and it should have been less produced and it should have just been more of the feel like, you know, they were trying to do and then no matter what, it always gets fucked up if it's on TV. Yeah. It's just always so overproduced. Yeah, I just the there was the editor on that one that was that really killed me because I didn't think it was. I mean, it was dumbed down, obviously, so that's not what I'm saying. But I didn't think it was as dumbed down as they could have made it. It's the way they cut it. They cut it in the way that all those other dumb shows were, so that I think yeah. it evoked the feeling of dumb. So it's I felt it's, dumb as fuck. It's watching Duncan it. talking, exactly and then it's Doctor Meldrum. You know, I was talking about and it's like these hard cuts and, and it's, they kept like cutting to Joe Rogan's eyes or he's doing like the big googly eyes. But if you could like wipe away your memory of what shitty shows sound like, it's not like that show was that bad if it somehow was in a vacuum, but it's cut exactly yeah. like every other dumb show. So it's like this blows like this I is, still yeah. watched it out of hope. Like, yeah. I, I hope it does well. But he decided he didn't he decided not to do it the second season because of that reason. He was just like, it's too. Yeah, it's too hard to fuck, make it the way that you want. And in, you know, in podcasting, now you, you can make a show exactly how you want it. And that's, it's just a, a spectrum of preferences. People are going to listen to what they want to listen to. And the less produced it is, like what you said about producing, producing should be about like making the sound good and making the video right and editing it together so it's smooth. But the content, I like it when it's just honest and natural, yeah. it's kind of from the hip and less censored. Because, I mean, I, I curse and stuff. It doesn't take away from the message for me. Like, I don't want to see Big Bang Theory, like just some stupid ass yeah. non-reality that just conforms to fit some stupid character that they never swear. And, like, their life never involves any, like, nefarious, shady shit. It's yeah, like, I can't, that's not yeah. real life. I don't know anybody like that. I'm not trying to I'm trying to watch some real shit. Yeah, I'm trying to listen to some real shit. I'm like a name names. Welcome to Night Vale. But there's some <laughs> shows uh, like podcasts that are just this just overproduced crap that it's just I, I, I just I have a chip on my shoulder about that show. I, I, I did a whole parody of it on my show one time. But um, it's the reason that I'm kind of hesitant towards some of the like the way the podcast world is moving and kind of like what you're talking about, like, you know, kind of user created media is that shows like that can slip through. And now we're kind of known as it's like respected and wins awards and shit, but it's, it's legitimately a bad show. Like yeah. the, the production, <laughs> the, it. it's no, it's, it's a, just an audio one online, but it's like the, the, the mic isn't that good. Like the, the audio quality is not that good. The guy's voice is kind of weak. Like it's not good, but yeah, Will but Wheaton got behind it. And the, it, the internet will chew that up. No, and, they, they embrace the fuck out of well, it. Well, then yeah. that's what some people want to listen to. Maybe See, people like bad, bad podcasts, or maybe it I, strikes a chord with them. But I feel like over time, 
the cream is going to rise. Yeah. And, you know, if some people want a weird niche, like personally, I don't like Howard Stern, but I always support him doing crazy shit and, you know, running his show the way that he wants to. And I feel like people would get offended by that stuff or just, you know. Oh, whatever. yeah, that's that's just but like thinking. Bullshit, but my right? but my my taste preference is not his message, what he's putting out his vibe. But he's super, super popular, and that's fine. I don't care if other people like him, but that's the whole thing. It's like radio shows and podcasts, like it's just a taste preference. So, you know, you might hate his show, but some dummy somewhere else might oh, yeah. listen to it while he's taking well, I'm shit not every saying, morning. Yeah, I'm not saying taken away from the audience of some shows. I just mean like the way that social media gets driven is that there's this weird thing where you can kind of elevate garbage yeah, to, I, a, I shouldn't say garbage is, is way too strong. I just, I personally hate that show, but, uh, it's like the whole ABC network. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, that's why TV blows. And the way that social media is moving, we're almost falling into those paradigms of like, well, people only listen to podcasts if it's on, you know, uh, Earwolf or, or, uh, the, you know, what dude network, uh, what's that one? Uh, yeah. Like with, I'm sure there's you know, a lot of the really, desk I'm, stuff, I'm sure there's know? a lot of good podcasts that I would really like. And I listen to podcasts. I work in front of a desk like 10 hours a day. So I'm listening to all sorts of shit. Like, yeah, I always have something on and I'm sure there's podcasts out there that are right up my alley that I would like that. I just, I'm not connected to, or I have no, no, you know, connector, Yeah, but like, I like the desk squad guys, but a lot of the desk squad podcasts, I don't even listen to. I just, they're not kind of for me. It's yeah. about finding different ones that, that you like and the kind of ebb and flow of the ones that you like, but the ones that are good, it's, like I went to a Tom Segura and Christina Pajitsky stand-up show and the whole audience was people that just listen to their podcast oh, nice. and are crazy for them. So it's like as a stand-up comedian, I could see how it's a really powerful tool. And those are the ones that I normally kind of drift towards are the stand-ups that are actually stand-ups. I don't listen to um, a lot of other like non-comedy ones, I guess. Yeah. But there's just so fucking many. Like you go on iTunes, and yeah. it's like it's just how many? How many are you picking from? Yeah, no, it's it's absurd. Like this show we're on right now, the Outcast, is when you go on Stitcher. Oh, I guess regular people can't see it, but I look at my Stitcher like numbers, so I can see all the datas and you know data and metrics and whatever. So I'm like pretty like once or pretty much once I post a show, I'm in the what's hot section on the front page, mm -hmm. like trending or whatever. And that's the same page as like Rogan and Corolla. Like I've been next to Rogan number of number of times, but I'm like the three thousandth most popular podcast <laughs> according to the metrics. And it's like there's a shitload of podcasts then because it's the exact yeah. opposite of TV is broadcasting trying to appeal to a broad number of people, and podcasting I think is best when it's narrow cast. Yeah, it's, it's about something that a certain specific a group of people love like I listen to MMA podcasts because I like MMA and UFC stuff and that's a home for me I can't get that content anywhere else so I love that podcast can just pop up anywhere yeah people can produce basically a TV show and distribute it on the internet and the good stuff you know becomes almost like a legit TV show but at the same time it's also like you the good stuff gets kind of diluted down when there's just so much out there like me rambling and yeah, but whatever. I, yeah, that's but that's the point of the show. I've podcast worn them for years. A podcast yeah, in a podcast. Yeah. Right. No, this is yeah, but this is fucking over three years of this nonsense. It's it's been turned on the mic and say dumb shit, and yeah. the audience found me a little bit. But <laughs> I just, I it's just I just hate to see the you know as you watch the medium change. I just hate to see the 
essentially that that Night Vale style stuff. There's a, there's other shows that have done this too, but I just it's the other ones happen to be Death Squad, and I support that network, so I don't, I'm not going to call them out. But there's these shows that just aren't good, but they became elevated by their association with other people, and it's like, yeah. well, now this is popular, but that's stealing a spot from somebody that kind of deserves it. And I'm certainly like I'm not saying me, like I shouldn't be that high, but yeah, like I just think don't look at yeah. it like stealing a spot because there's just like there's so much time in a day. I mean, if I listen to a lot of podcasts, if yeah. another one comes up, I'm not necessarily going to stop listening to the four or five I already listened to. If another one comes up, yeah. you just kind of cycle it into the mix. But I think the more important thing with podcasts is where it's going to go in terms of the evolution of digital media with the TV with cable, with how internet is already, it's changed that, you know, it's way more expensive just to get cable internet than it used to be. I mean, they'll basically give you TV for free because they know if they make TV too expensive, people are just going to get on the internet and get the fast internet connection and get on Netflix and Hulu and yeah. tell the, all those channels of ads to fuck off. So if you call Comcast to get internet it's like 85 90 bucks now and then with tv it's like 120 yeah like yeah. for the basic shit it's like we'll just give you this before internet used to be like 40 bucks yeah so now like they know that the internet connection is the most powerful way to get in front of people and that's going to be a whole new revolution of how people consume content and how they live their life how they live in the cloud how they interface with their data with their multimedia, all that shit is that's a battle that's going on right now. It's kind of behind the scenes, but Google and Apple and even Facebook buying WhatsApp for all that, the data that they have yeah. on people. I mean, that's a crazy big war and they're trying to, they want, they want you to see Google from the time that your phone wakes you up with your alarm, you check your email on Google. Like they want Google will be integrated to your home security system within the next couple of years. Well, that's like Google Fiber, which they're trying to bring to Portland. And Actually, I think they are bringing to Portland. Yeah, yeah, shout out to my buddy David, who's mad smart. He's heading the Google Fiber project. Down oh, really? Google. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like that guy's doing way more with his life than I am. Yeah, well, that's you, way man. more than most people. Like, that's yeah, a dude's fucking, really smart. Yeah. He's a totally normal guy. I knew him for a little bit before mm. I knew that, and I was like, oh shit, that's pretty impressive. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, they're bringing it to uh, to Portland. I think it's going to be huge for the real estate market here. I mean, already you're seeing where they've deployed it before. I think in Kansas, was it Kansas City? I was just trying to, you know, some, somewhere it was in the like Midwest. that. Yeah. It was either in St. Louis or Kansas City. And I mean, I, they've had a spike just in desirability of people moving there to check it out. Or companies that, you know, want to be, you know, developers for that moving their development teams there so that they can, you know, start to build apps that use a gig up and a gig down. Cause that's a totally revolutionary yeah. way to connect to the internet. I mean, upload now is, you know, five gigs, not a thousand. So when you start talking about 4k media and podcasts that are in super high definition and TV shows that people are producing themselves, like the, the, the smaller content is going to really start to affect the big studios, I think. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the big studios won't still make their big shows and be produced like true detective. Holy shit. That show is amazing. Yeah. yeah there will always be a place for that. On but, some, it's, yeah. but it's going to be distributed over the internet through HBO go rather than through HBO through Comcast. Well, it's like, the networks that I think are the big, I mean the, the networks in the traditional sense is what, what are there I any think, network TV shows that you watch? Right oh God, now? no, no. But that's what I mean is sons of anarchy. That's I watched the, that. That's a good show. That's kind of like an HBO show that's on cable. 
Yeah. Other than that, like I can't think of a lot of those shows that I care about at all. All the good ones are on HBO. Yeah. So, but that's essentially, yeah, that's essentially an internet medium. That's why they didn't do the uh, Netflix deal. And that's why, you know, they're going the HBO go route instead of getting somebody else. So yeah, they're smart, but it's, you know, ABC, NBC, Fox, and CBS are other than sports oops you know, yeah. like yeah you yeah. got like there's not a lot that's, in sports how much longer until that's the thing yeah. that, so the nfl contract is up in 2016 i believe yeah it's, i think it's two years from now and google has already put their name in the oh no shit yeah oh that so, would be huge yeah. and they own youtube yeah so think about if you hit nfl sunday ticket for free on google google does some amazing shit in terms yeah. of when i was growing up to have a computer with Microsoft Word or word processing in general, I mean, it costs money to get those programs. Now everybody can get a Google account for free. All of that software is for everybody for free, open source. That's a beautiful thing. They have all these apps that if you sign your life away with your data rights usage, then you can use all these apps like Translate and Maps and yeah. holy shit. The Google suite is is beautiful. So I love that they basically integrate everything together and make it simple, but... Yeah, well, they're gonna I, get bought up by, they're gonna buy Boeing or Boeing's gonna buy them, and yeah, then they're gonna have super drones and Skynet. Well, that's yeah, that's, that's Skynet. Yeah, it. well, that's uh, I coming from you know kind of OG Linux, you know, let's fucking let's do it ourselves. Like we had Open Office for years and LibreOffice, I broke off of that. Like yeah. all this, all the free stuff's been around forever, but it's just. But it wasn't mainstream for a lot of people. Like, well, I went, oh no, exactly. But that's that's my lament. We were talking about before we turned the mics on how the internet's getting. It was really it's, good before he turned the mics on. Yeah, too. it's customized for dumb people that like it's, oh, look at the shiny icon to make you go there instead of like fucking Microsoft Word, which, yeah, not Internet, but like the new one, there's not even fucking words for the menus. Like you have to click through yeah, like I don't it's, even know. it's, it's ugliest. It's really bad. And it's just, everything's naturally built to kind of the idiot audience. I'm and, fighting that change. But, but that's. I'm not me, not going to relearn all this shit. I've been I've been a nerd since day one. But it's it's going away and I'm I'm watching <laughs> it slip through my fingers it's like but we had it. We had like Linux essentially is what I mean that that was that's what Google turned into. They like it's not like a direct narrative but the Google guys were like, "Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Give everything away for free, but they didn't bother to make money." So I'm we'll absolutely just, you know, shocked yeah. that Chromium and the the operating system that Google's built hasn't gotten more traction and they haven't I mean, I'm sure they're putting a ton of resources behind It's a pain in the ass it. to use though. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm surprised they haven't developed that more. I mean, been more of a point of emphasis because, I mean, obviously they're improving their mobile, which is their, the mobile operating system for Google is the main thing. That, yeah. Their main interface. But the way that they're going, they're going to have Google interface in your car changer, in your cell phone, in your operating system on your computer. Well, that's the Google self-driving car is what they're, the next thing is. So Hell it's, yeah, yeah. man. And I'm all about it. If I can talk into my phone like Siri that actually worked and said, yeah. you know, XYZ navigation, and I just hop in my car and it's all seamless and it knows what I'm trying to listen to, shit, I'll sell my soul for it. I mean, That's, I'm not a selling the soul guy. Like for me, I. You got to be all in. It's like you got, you're either connected to the machine or you're not. Well, that's what I mean. I just, machine. I don't. Maybe because connected, I, be all in. Well, maybe it's like because I've, I've lived in public my whole life. Like, uh, you know, come from a writing background, like. You know, I fucking, you know, the first thing I, when I was in college, I learned how to write fucking poetry. So it's, the you know, I'm bearing my soul. So it doesn't like Google can have it. I don't, it literally doesn't bother me. Like this whole privacy thing isn't, yeah. it doesn't feel very an invasion of privacy. They're not telling anybody anything. It's just, they're tailoring ads. I cool. Just, I know. Yeah. And I, yeah. That there is that, but 
at the other point, like I know enough people that sell drugs that it really compromises their lifestyle. So well, you got to look out for them. Sorry, but the rebels got to be rebels. <laughs> like you don't, you know, that's no, like it, it creeps me out when even just fucking around, sending a text message to a buddy, like, am I sending a light off at the NSA somewhere? Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, just saying some ridiculous shit. And then it's like, oh, that's just, you know, fantasy land or whatever. That but then, but it. then you hear about every day, somebody getting busted with FBI raids a house because yeah. of some Facebook message that somebody said, like, if you're selling drugs at this point, 2014, and you're communicating on a cell phone, I mean, you've got some balls. Yeah. You've got some balls because you're not using your head because that that's going to be, I can't believe it's not more prevalent, but I figure they probably just track. There has to just be so many text messages that involve drugs that they can't possibly go after everybody. But it's like, if you ever want to run for office, I totally believe that they'll go back and basically pull all of your life. Well, everything that's, that you've yeah, set together. That's like, the, that's the big data bloat that this has been going on for a while. Like I remember well, I was in, like freshman sophomore year of college so like i don't know 2000 2001 around there and we did this we did the big uh uh like kind of protest against echelon which echelon is this massive computer frame that sniffs every email that goes through looking for keywords so there was this giant thing worldwide that we all sent emails at one time that said terrorist bomb president all the all the keywords at once to try to essentially flood the fucking thing so it drops like we were trying to you know essentially like a DDoS attack or whatever the hell you call that. But you know, a million years ago and the report, super old denial of service. attack. Yeah. That's what I mean. I couldn't think of what, yeah. Uh, but this was, you know, 2000, 2001, but it was known in the computer industry, at least maybe not industry, but it was known by the known that the people that know knew, you know, and we did it like my fucking computer professor taught me about this. And that was, well over 10 years ago. And then the recent thing of the NSA finally, you know, it's, it's out that they're monitoring your communications. Well, yeah, yeah, we've been telling you that for, I knew the name of the program in fucking the year 2000. Enemy, yeah. enemy of the state was year 1999. Yeah. And that was like, woo woo. Like crazy. There's nothing in that movie that they don't do. Like yeah. it's so, I don't know. It, it's always, what are you going to do? You know, as a single person, you know, are you just going to live your life and communicate the way you want? And maybe the NSA sees some shit. Do you take it into consideration and like try to censor yourself, even if you're in text messages? Like, yeah. do you care or like, I don't know what, how you fight it. Cause there's nothing, I mean, even a grassroots petition that like, even if we get them to say that they're stopping using it, they're not going to stop using it. Yeah. Like. And it's not just one company. It's all these companies that have access to all this data that are going to use it in a variety of ways to manipulate, get whatever information they want. If they want to go backwards and discredit somebody, uh, absolutely. I feel like they, yeah. they have those tools in place and they're not going to give those up. Like, no, well, way. that's oh, that's what I was saying. About the, the big data bloat is that right now they just don't have the computer processing power to essentially go after and or you know uh, uh law enforcement power to go after people yeah. that are like you can see somebody doing a drug deal but there's nothing they can do about it because there's so many messages going through to get yeah. human eyes on it or get a computer that's sophisticated enough to figure out which ones are real and which one like uh i'm going over my grams and she's going to give me that 50 dollar paycheck yeah like, well not paycheck 50 dollar check well like 
they're People not always they're, have a lingo too. No, and but it I mean, might be legit, or, or it might be might a little be, five-year-old girl, yeah. literally going to her grandmother's house because she got a fifty-dollar check for her birthday. Yeah, but computers aren't sophisticated enough to figure that out yet. So I don't think essentially they're, gonna, they're impotent. Yeah, they're with not, the data, they're not going to use it to go after the individual people until they get to a certain level or until they become a certain level of suspicion. And then they can, you know, there's programs in place now that pull together. They talk about facial recognition in a big national or global database that every time you're on a camera, there's software that will compile those yeah. images and build basically a file for you. Um, I think the company's called Stratfor. But uh, I know it's publicly you can look at it. All the casinos in the world. There, have it. There's a I, I feel like if even if that's not the company that it is, if yeah. I can if I can come up with the concept of it in my head, the people out there that are infinitely more brilliant than I am or that are getting paid big money by, you know, defense contractors and but whoever is paying them to do that corporations that have a lot on the line. I mean, they're the biggest com uh, consumers of you know, that information, they buy that information. That's a yeah. huge industry. Them buying, you know, consumer information or private information about, you know, their customers or whatever they, they use it for. So you, you're already in the system. You're plugged in. It's like you can't unplug yourself from it. So yeah. it's like you almost have to embrace it. But at the same time, like privacy, the idea of privacy is just going to totally have to be re rethought. Yeah, right? yeah, in a certain way. Or there's got to be new technology to allow for it. Like I've seen those. Uh, or one thing, just I uh, just quickly go back. Um, that face tracking thing, I know 100% exists in casinos because I've heard interviews with uh, uh, card counters when it happened that they essentially are fucked because they get caught card counting one casino. It goes in this database and there is a public term for it that like pe people know the name. Yeah. I just don't know it. They're like, it goes worldwide. So like you get caught in one casino in the world. For card counting, you will get immediately recognized on camera in any casino in the world. They flag you and yeah. boot you out. But uh, and people are so smart. Like they, there, there was just some genius that wrote that algorithm that these people came to them and said, "We have this problem. Yeah, we need you to solve it." And then they find some Stanford graduate or Harvard or some twelve-year-old genius yeah. kid, like whoever actually, it is, the same school that taught people how to card count. Actually, yeah. weirdly, you know. <laughs> but there's a uh, there's this there's this um. A mask I saw that fucks with facial recognition. It's like this. I forget how it works, but essentially, it's like this. Fuck it. However, facial recognition works. It it does like a little trick that like kind of drops your face. It makes it look like your face drops a little yeah, it's bit. It's the Mission Impossible Tom Cruise mask. Uh, he rips off. Yeah, but something like that. Except this is real life, and uh, you're not a Scientologist, mm. and you don't have to be five foot one. He was so cool in Mission Impossible One, though. I I don't remember part one. Red light, green light, with the gum on the, smashes the, the, the gum that's a bomb on the tank of water in the restaurant. Has John that sounds Boyd fun. I don't remember that at all. I remember the oh, one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Go back Hoffman. to Mission Impossible 1. Yeah. That's the best one. The Philip Seymour Hoffman one I liked. That was the one that I remember, mostly because I liked him as a villain. Yeah, I don't... That was like four. I think that was deep. Three or four. I, I never watched them until like last year. I watched them all at once. Like, yeah. I, I never bothered. But, um... No, they've got like masks that fuck with facial recognition. They have, uh, they have, uh, gloves you can wear that are, you know, uh, haptic or whatever, touch screen sensitive, but your fingerprints don't go through. Like, so as, as yet, privacy might go away, but also the means for you to allow yourself to be private. Yeah, if get... you're a criminal, if you're no, wearing no, but... fake fingerprints, cause you're. No, but what I'm saying is it just comes on a regular pair of gloves because it's for, you know, using your iPhone when it's cold. 
And then yeah. you put on a mask because it's cold out. And, it, you know, like, or, you know, after a while, you can, I'm sure that some fucking piratey Linux dude is figuring out a way that you have this, like a Tor browser, you know, that private browser, mm-hmm. which got got fucked recently. Like the NSA apparently broke into it or whatever, but like something or like they that. they engineered it from the beginning to provide a safe haven for illicit activity that they can monitor. Yeah, I, I mean. mean from if what it, I know about that community, I think that was actually like legitimately I that. You know. I don't know either. I don't know either way. I mean, probably not, but I think the option needs to be on the table. Oh, sure. That was the first thing I thought of was who wrote this code and do they have a backdoor to see, you know, what people are looking at or to mirror their traffic, yeah. what they're doing. Like, but I know also, it's yeah. supposed to not be and there's there's math and there's engineering behind that system, but then you see there's math and and those numbers behind Bitcoin and there are still issues there that really hurt it. So, well, there's also the point of kind of knowledge too, where, you know, when the, when the deep web starts getting popular enough that like people like us hear hear about it, it's already compromised, you know, because whatever they're doing now, we don't know the fucking word for it, but it, I installed the Tor browser and just logged into Silk Road because I wanted to see what it was like. Yeah, that's why. That's the only reason I I did. I didn't even know what Bitcoins were. I didn't even really know what the Silk Road was, but, just the curiosity had kind of gotten the best of me. And I was like, I want to check it out. And it's like a mix of eBay and Craigslist that just has black tar heroin and murders for sale and boner pills. Yeah. I don't know how fucking legit that murder for sale shit was. Dude, apparently, uh, who was that? Some bigwig somewhere, uh, was caught on tape. He got busted because another guy was, like upcharging for murder and they caught the guy on tape like what the fuck like last year you did it for 25 he basically yeah god who was that internet look it up but somebody uh somebody just got busted for that oh wow that's because like they were they had used it before in the past and then the price and that was through the the silk road it's through the silk road oh no shit i was just thought that was kind of it was some big wig it was and it was in a big wig of one of the companies that's kind of in that world Oh, it wasn't shit. the, Ma- it wasn't, I don't want to say. Oh, you know what? I think it was McAfee, wasn't it? No, it wasn't McAfee. That dude's fucking bad. Cause I, I thought though. he had a murder rap on him too. Like there was some kind of, there was, there was yeah. something that he, like the whole thing before he went to Costa Rica, there was kind of, uh, some mystery of like yeah. why he was even down there. But man, that guy does some drugs that yeah. I want to do when I'm like, 70 or 80 when i'm when i'm on my way yeah out. well he's in town or maybe he moved since then but after he left costa rica he came to portland really yeah there's all the sorts of spotting keep like my, it weird yeah baby. my fucking text kept blowing up like dude fucking mcafee here, you know? here. Yeah. get him in the basement get him in the dome you know i'm i'm pretty cool with like pretty much anybody coming over and like doing that a podcast but crazy you yeah don't know i don't, you don't know what he's bringing because that's like i'm pretty sure like I'm pretty sure that pretty much anybody I talk to on Twitter, I get a, a good enough vibe off of them that's like, maybe they'll get past me, they'll punch me, but I think I'm pretty not going to be killed. That dude seems like you could say something just slightly off, like trigger word, and the next thing you know, you're getting your head slammed yeah. against the wall of the echo chamber, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. That guy seems... Those people always worry me the most when the people are doing, like, drugs that really get a grasp on them, whatever it may be. Yeah. And then them in that withdrawal state... That scares me more than like any type of desperation that exists. Like I'm not afraid of homeless people. I'm afraid of people on the street that, you know, have been fucked up on meth that are trying to get more meth Yeah, because they'll do anything for $10. Like those kind of people scare me. And it's like, it's not, you know, 
I see it in Portland. Yeah. You see meth heads around. It's not super prevalent. Like at the one time there was a ton of people on meth here. Yeah. Portland I think they still are. I think they just kind of, yeah. I think they just moved them out to, but it's Russia. scary yeah. when you see people just in that lurking yeah. posture where they're just like, you know, itching and you yeah. know, they have that itch. It's like, man, the, I work those, in downtown Portland. Yeah. I see, still yeah, see it pretty see often. It. Yeah. He's a, uh, well, I shouldn't say he, but a person that I see downtown uh, every now and again, you see, it's like, Oh, you're really mad today. And I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'd say to you, you're a fucking much bigger dude than I am, but like, I'm a reasonable sized man. Like I'm not terrifically going to be afraid of someone that's living in the streets. Like I'm much healthier than them. I can lift enough. <laughs> I'm not going to be physically afraid of people. You're going to get in a lifting but, battle with them. No, but I mean like, I'm not like, the guy's I'm hardened I'm, from living on the streets. No, I'm just like, I'm not a small dude. So it's not like I'm thinking, Oh, that guy's going to see me and go, Oh, I'm going to jump him. Like, you know, the thought yeah, doesn't occur to me, even, but I still cross the fucking street when I see that dude. Cause like, Ooh, you're looking mad today. Like you're not gonna homeless thinking. people on the street. I mean, yeah. human nature is that they're not going to be violent towards you. Yeah. It's just people that, have there's a certain few drugs that when you're coming down off of them or once they have a grip on you yeah it becomes your reality and that reality doesn't involve the safety of others at all yeah it just and overrides start, that circuit yeah. yeah especially the shit like meth or heroin i mean we're like my car got broken into and the cop basically said that there's an issue of kids that got addicted to oxycontin that were fully addicted and then it got too expensive and heroin is actually cheaper yeah so now they're doing petty crime at vancouver and like pleasantville and they're doing petty crime just robbing and selling whatever they can for heroin money and it's like man that's super sad that that's the reality that yeah you know it's a weird jump there's um i forget what country it is that uh essentially legalized all drugs um portugal yeah, that, uh, that's not the one I'm thinking. It was one of like the Scandinavian white, pe- really, really white people countries. Probably. Like, but the the crime rate went to not to nothing, but the crime rate went super down. The that the happened in Portugal from, too. They, yeah, they deaths basically, from heroin they decriminalized yeah. everything, and it just became a non-issue. Yeah, and they opened up these clinics where essentially, like, it was a shooting like shooting galleries where you're allowed to go in, uh-huh. uh, but you have to like use their needles. They have alcohol scrubs, like everything's super clean. And apparently like HIV transmission rates went down, like everything got better because it wasn't. And the fact that it was kind of state supported, it kind of lost some of that sexy, like I'm a rebel, I'm an outsider. I'm going to give you heroin when I'm 15. And like, yeah, I support the full legalization of everything. I don't, I I don't differentiate between, you know, cocaine and heroin and all those things. I don't support their use because there's, I mean, scientists and medical information and there's just a heavy track record and i've seen people use both and get fucked up yeah i use them because i i don't use them because i don't want to use them i don't you know the fact that they're illegal doesn't go into my thought process at all i think the fact that there's misinformation that you get your whole life i think it really starts it makes kids they get all this misinformation about something as easy as pot and then they realize that when they're 22 that it, it just doesn't matter. It's just not bad for you. Yeah. There's just, it's not bad for you. It's not going to fuck your life up if you're not going to fuck your life up first. And then they think back to all this like misinformation and then they think the same thing about harder drugs. Exactly. And then it's like, but they're not the same. They're just, they're not the fucking same. Yeah, but they're both called drugs for some reason. Do you coke know? every day, do heroin every yeah. day and do pot every, smoke pot every day. And then 
all three of those people just stop doing all of them and see what that eighth day is like. Yeah. The eighth day is going to be different for all three people because you know why? They're not the fucking same. And the fact that marijuana is schedule one and they're, it's all about money. It's all that's, it's all hustle. It's all a racket. And you know, pharmaceutical drug prescription use. I mean, there's more people dying in the Iraq war now than there were in arm that dying in armed conflict. They're dying from PTSD and being addicted to pills. And then that either turning into smoking oxy or doing H and that's sad as fuck. Yeah. That, like that stuff, it, it, people get addicted to it because it's, it's from a doctor. They think it's safe. And then you get, you know, to the end of your bottle. And like, I've had good friends that are like, man, this shit is crazy. Like this shit, like I can see why you get addicted to it. And, um, luckily I've never had to like, that shit just scares me too much. So yeah. I'm just not even trying to mess with it. Well, that's smart. Like I don't, I don't do Coke because I really like doing Coke. Like, <laughs> oh man, I love doing Coke. So I kind of realized at one point, you know, I'm going to stop doing Coke cause I really like this and not, I didn't get to the f- addicted part. But I certainly got to the, I was thinking about it more than yeah. I was comfortable with part. I went, Coke parties oh, are I gotta... super uncomfortable. They're yeah. just, it's a, it's a crowd that I'm not comfortable with personally. When you're on it, when you're on it and there's a when you're plentiful it, supply. It, it, oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, but like being at a party where people are smoking or drinking or doing nothing, just hanging out. I don't know anybody that's hangs out i mean yeah maybe. it's rare yeah, yeah there know. might be one somewhere yeah. there's a few yeah. but even those people i mean where i'm from there's always something going on well i more meant the ones that uh drinking wine yeah. whatever yeah. somebody everybody has their their drug of choice yeah. whatever it may be but i feel like it should be up to those people to choose what they consume what they put in their body and it should be about education information and free choice and liberty i just it, it drives me crazy and medical marijuana and the taxation of it. It's like, when did we become okay with them? The government just f- taxing whatever they want at a ridiculous clip just yeah. because that's what they're going to allow us for it to be legal. It's ATF is, is what it was when if the formation of the ATF happened is where a lot of our liberties went away. Cause alcohol was the first one that got super high taxed. Then it got down for a while. And then tobacco was, it's all tax money. I mean, it's a pack of cigarettes is like 12 cents alcohol, without the taxes. Alcohol. You know? Yeah. Uh, cigarettes. And I know nothing about gasoline. firearms, but I know that's the F and ATF. But I know ATF, yeah. are, that's two of their letters. You know, those are the things that are these giant tax rates. And it's, it's absurd. And then on. Well, they have you know, to protect their money. I yeah. And that's what they're doing. Well, I mean, that's why the money thing is, I don't think it's pharmaceutical. I mean, the pharmaceutical industry, obviously, that's part of it. But I think the reason pot isn't universally legal is because the privatized prison industry makes a shitload of money and Absolutely. keeps a lot of people like employed. They pay a ton and, of money. Those are the biggest yeah. people that are donating against legalization. Because they're the one. Yeah. And they're the ones that would lose the most out because most of you like nonviolent crimes them, are though is, is fuck them. Yeah. Fuck those people. It's not their decision that yeah. we incarcerate more people than any country on the planet by far. Yeah. And by population, we're not the largest country. If we were the biggest country and we had, you know, the highest amount of prisoners, that would make sense to me. But at 300 million and to have by far and away the most amount of prisoners when there's countries like fucking China and North Korea that are doing whatever they want with their people, we have all these people in in jail for pe- basically victimless you know, petty crime of, you know, fulfilling a demand. And I 
fully believe just in economics of life. Like people want those things. People are going to consume certain things. And the more legitimate you make it, the more you take the cocaine production trade out of an environment where, you know, kids are getting killed or in their hands cut off or, you know, different things because everything has a price. Yeah. The, the, the price on the illegitimate market is just, it's not something that politicians have to take into consideration. So they kind of just let it go, but that cost is there and it's normally really high. So I support the legalization of the production of those things. And also, you know, I think it provides just for a better environment for people living their lives when they get to choose. They don't have to look over their shoulder if there's something that they need. Like the fact that Ibogaine has been proven to really help people with heroin addiction or pill addiction. And you have to go to Mexico to even consider it. Like if anybody is having success with that, the medical community should be able to be researching it. Yeah. Like if there's any evidence for marijuana being a uh like a healthy uh improvement to somebody's life in any way either turning it into oil or or whatever the benefit may be if it's for anybody we should have it should be legal for them to be improving upon it and researching it and getting the best information rather than it being something that is putting people in jail yeah and i well that's that schedule one shit like the, the schedule one literally just means that there's absolutely no medicinal value for and it's for just the drug. not true and yeah it's been there's and even if all if every single one of the studies that say the the medical benefits of pot are are bullshit. Bet like, you a million dollars the person that made mushroom schedule one did not ever eat mushrooms. Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. It's they're not. Fact. Yeah, but the, the doctors disagree with the law. They're saying that yes, these are there's medical uses for this, and yet it's still schedule one. Which the thing that is schedule one means it's not used for medicine at all but yeah. doctors disagree so if there's this if my, my yeah. thing is if they're going to tax it at this ridiculous rate then give the trade-off of the liberty that yeah. comes with enjoying it make it if you could make you're already seeing it in colorado if you went nationwide and you took it off of schedule one and you made it fully legal not just decriminalized but you made it fully legal that you could buy pre-rolled joints or vaporizer pens at the gas station like you can with cigarettes the tax base for it would be absolutely enormous it yeah. would be enormous and there's just so much money there that i feel like ultimately that's where it's it's going to go my concern is the way that it's kind of set up with the medical facade the way that it's set up with taxation the way that initially they were having issues with you know in colorado getting their money into banks legitimately yeah, yeah. like they just got the government has to loosen their grip a little bit and let people make the choice that they want to make and make money off of it. Like there's a way to save the economy. There's a way to do it in a better way. That's just this like fear based based off of nothing system that we have. And there's so many people like the crack cocaine uh, versus powder. You know, if it's if it's crack and you got arrested, it was a huge, huge uh clip in terms of your prison sentence yeah and that has since been adjusted but it's not retroactively uh implemented yeah. so those people that there's people that if they retroactively do get out of jail tomorrow but they're still serving their time out because they you know they sold you know a rock when they were 19 trying to support their family i'm not saying it's good to sell crack cocaine but i also think that there's worse things than selling something to somebody that wants to buy it from you 
Yeah. Even if it's illegal, no matter what it is. So yeah, those, those laws are fucked. Cause that's the same thing that all those fucking hippies got fucked on sugar cube acid, where they weighed the sugar cube and said, that's, mm-hmm. that's the acid weight, you know? So Coke, you get this little powder and it's like, okay, you know, you get busted for that weight, but then you get it in the, the fucking rock form, which they got all, you know, baking powder and all that other shit mixed in. Yeah. It's now four get... times as heavy and they're thinking you're yeah. selling. Yeah. And don't even get into the racial ramifications of who's smoking crack and who's well, that's consuming the, part I agree the powder. Yeah, it's, it's like, there's no, I was kidding. Sorry. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, don't keep talking. No, I swear to fuck. I was kidding. <laughs> um, that's a different discussion yeah. for a different day, but there's just, the system isn't perfect. I'm, you know, it just needs to get better. We need to push it in the right direction. But I, I feel like overall, I mean, there's been good things. Eric Holder, the attorney general, they said that they're not going to, they're basically just going to let the states do their thing. But yeah, but they said that with California and then they were still fucking robbing, you know, yeah. still robbing. But yeah, there's robbing. There's a lot of things yeah. that President Obama said that he was going to do that are a little iffy. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't so much work out a lot with all the whole i'm tired of being mad at him i'm just gonna like him it's easy i like him it's just he lies a lot and that's you know what are you gonna i mean (laughs) i know it's it's probably like one of the oldest jokes in the world is that politicians are liars like romans were like making that joke like you know it's that's yeah that's he's a politician he's like the politician he's the guy that won so yeah of course the natural expectation is lying i honestly believed in the internet a little bit more then then i think it will be even in the future i just think that that's such a super hard job to make people happy inherently you're going to have i mean the last time he got elected was super razor thin close like it's always razor thin close they've gotten it down to like within a percentage point like they've got people divided on issues that aren't the most important issues while the both administrations do the same fucked up stuff yeah. that makes you super frustrated. And it's just like, there needs to be another option. There needs to be a, a, a legitimate alternative that people can support because what's going on right now is just, it's so messed up and there's a lot of potential in humanity right now. Technology has never been this way. Like we're on the cusp of so many breakthroughs. Like we just got to point this bitch in the right direction yeah. And I like we're just not. And it's frustrating because how do you get all these people on board to go in the right direction when nobody can agree about anything? It's really I heard this really like compelling argument. And I, I, I I'm just dumb, I guess. And it never occurred to me before. But they said the whole like, you know, essentially the right manufactured the the essentially manufactured the system it is now so that you can't get within, you know, essentially it's a, a one percentage point thing. And they did so by Christianizing the right, thereby abortion is the, one of the main issues. Yeah. You so had... you can't have Christians. I'm doing air quotes, people at home. You can't have Christians vote Democrat because they're for abortion, even though that's not an issue that's going to be voted on. It's not a big deal, but they invented the straw ban argument. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, just, oh, the, fuck, it's just, brilliant. it's you just know? the math of, of that getting elected really smart yeah. you have you have 45 percent that are going to vote one way regardless and yeah 45 percent that are going to vote the other way regardless getting elected comes down to that 10 or 15 percent that's in the middle that swing vote and you have to swing them based off of normally social issues and like the reason why obama got elected is because he was the face of human rights so to speak yeah people wanted equality people wanted hope and change people want that that just that equal footing 
with that, that comes, there's a lot of economically, I don't agree with almost any of his policies. So as a, it makes you choose between giving up your social preferences and your economic preferences and what is more important to you. Whereas there's not a way to go in a third direction of how do we merge these things together where things aren't so messed up for all these different people and inequality still, you know, exists on such a grand scale. And I feel like we're doing such a shitty job of getting the most out of just potential of our country, of our planet, just in general, like the United States, I'm proud to be an American. We should be a fucking leader in everything. And that is based off of nothing other than the fact that I'm American. I want to be fucking number one in everything. When I see that we're mediocre in every like every yeah, single we're, scale we're not number one unless it's a bad one unless it's prisons or like yeah. unless we're going up to compete i mean you know the there's elite americans in, in almost everything and there's because there's, there's a lot of resources here and you know there is a lot of liberty to pursue the weird things that people want to do and go after but i want to be the leader in technology i want the united states to take a pro bitcoin stance or whatever it may be to really embrace it and have that be a have the united states be a safe haven of that but what we do with the nsa and spying on other countries the the digital community around the world they don't trust us at all yeah you know and i with with good right you know or with good reason i just want uh there to be more pride in doing things like leading the way by example. And it's just like listening to Congress talk. My God, dude, yeah. it's like so fucking brutal. It's just, it is. I mean, I had this kind of revelation probably about a year or two ago and it's not something I'm, I'm happy with because as much as I kind of shit on a lot of stuff, I am kind of an optimist. Like I really do think things are going to work out, but it kind of occurred to me that like, I kind of hate this country and like, I don't want to think that way. I really don't, but it's like, I have no rights. Like I, there's nothing here that's unique anymore. Like, and all the socialist stuff, we're not doing as well as the other countries that have are like England is pretty much the same rights as us. Like, I mean, there's some stuff that's a little wonky, but it's essentially the same, but they have fucking healthcare. They have a better minimum wage. Like they're doing better on the social stuff. So we took all the worst parts of the socialist states and then fucked up all the good parts that we were doing with the, purely yeah, you know now we're yeah. just in choppy waters where nothing's getting done because everything is so split and everything is so compromised and there is so much corruption in the system that like major change is going to take a real revolution it's going to take a lot to get out of yeah. the funk that we're in and that kind of makes me feel uh you know the opposite of hope yeah. You know, I try to well, stay positive like you. I want to be optimistic, but. But the problem is we, so we live in a world that's so interconnected now. I mean, we literally, it is a world community. We're moving that way. There's no real pulling back. If America has to go through a revolution to fix itself, we're taking the world down with us. We don't have the luxury of us fucking only, going offline for a few years and fixing shit. Yeah. And the only reason why I'm not worried about that is because the people that control all of these things that we're talking about, they have too much to lose to let it get to that point. And I think that they'll keep it junked up in this reality. And I feel they're not going to let it get worse, like a whole lot worse than it has been. I mean, maybe they're, you're never going to see, you know, the United States invading part of Mexico to take off 
a valuable, you know, if there were resources in yeah. Mexico that we wanted, or if you know, there's a part of Canada that we, they found a bunch of oil and then we just tried to straight take it, like, you know, Crimea and, and Ukraine and Russia, that's not going to happen here. I just, I don't believe it will ever get to a point where we're having just armed conflict with our neighbors as a reality and having to, you know, defend our borders. Yeah. I really hope not, but it's on the table and you see the rest of the world kind of still dealing with it. And it's like, fuck, we're still, you know, 200 yards away from each other with guns pointed, just shooting bullets at each other. And that sucks because there's so much more potential there. There's so much more that we could be achieving. And you look at like climate change and those things. I feel like those negatives will ultimately be the savior because it will get so bad collectively that we'll have to work together at a certain level to put that first. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll just use all the resources on this bitch until it's gone. And maybe that's what we're going to do. I mean, we'll just ruin it. But I think that no matter what life wants to survive. And if we get to the point where we're really threatening our survival, we're going to make it. We're, I mean, it's we're not going to make a change. If, I, I don't. Well, believe I mean, we I think would, we're we already have to. We're know? already making changes, but it's it's in private kind of way, private industry ways. Like you know, the whole green revolution is that's that's happening, but it's happening because people are making money off of it, which is yeah. in the end cool because you're making money off of something that helps the planet. Ain't nothing wrong with making money. Off yeah. Of something. So aces, but I don't think we're going to come together on anything. Unless, I mean, aside from a big fucking meteor or alien showing up. I guess that's kind of the point is we're not going to come together by choice. We're going to come together by necessity. And that's the only way that I feel like we'll come together on on, on some major things. Like, how do you solve the, the crisis in the Middle East and those religious tensions that go back thousands of years that, to me, are fucking meaningless i mean i could care less about any of the things that these people are dying for over there and there's some people that just want the freedom to do what they want and there's some people that are fighting to keep things the way that they are and there's just no peaceful way to mitigate that i guess in humanity without just being violent that's just i guess that's just how things go yeah and there's it's this is part of that whole like you know, if we fall, everybody else falls. Cause it's the thing is like, we're so wrapped up in that area. That's not like we can just, we can't just pull out of the middle East. It it's just all can't interconnected, happen, you know? man. The, so, the, the, the global economy yeah. is so interconnected in terms of, of if there, if there was a war, there's no way that China and the United States could be on different sides. Like there's no way that it would make sense. Cause both need each other yeah. equally. Like you, you, there's, you can't have one without the other just based off of how they're, you know, their economics are structured. They own so much American debt over yeah. there and we buy so much of their shit and they buy so much of the resources that we allow to make it there. I mean, controlling the flow that they're allowed to get, like it's a really connected yeah. global system. And the people that own these corporations in the United States, they're not just Americans. They're wealthy people from around the world. It's the world's elite that own multinational corporations. They're multinational. They're not just American because Boeing is based here. They have employees all over the world. They have shareholders from all over the world. They make drones that are like, they have super crazy, nice maritime drones that they just released that can perpetually run off of fuel cell technology. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, eventually they're going to get contracted to, you know, (laughs) control the seas for somebody, some highest bidder. Yeah. I just think that's going to continue to be the United States. So I think that, 
that's why a lot of people here don't really give a fuck because they think in the back of their minds they think well at the end of the day we're the most secure country and you know that, we'll so just live with that it. depresses me like right? so we don't get the we don't get the revolution there's no change like and so i'm just i'm stuck like i'm, I'm literally i am actively a pacifist like i'm not saying that as like a i don't want to hurt people like literally that is a philosophy i hold my paycheck like my taxes some people need to get fucking shot a shitload of see i i don't think i just i i the idea of my money going towards someone being shot disgusts me and the majority of my taxes go to some country i've never heard of people dying there or That's go, or, or it goes to something worse like two billion dollars down the drain educating you know afghani uh militants that we've trained to read you know we spent billions of oh, yeah, dollars yeah. teaching them to, to fucking read but that's and, all part to me that's all part of that whole fucking it's the same thing it's yeah that whole fugazi, death man. fucking cult that we have like it's just gross and I, i'm i feel no there's no way for me to get out of it like i'm i'm handcuffed this stupid fucking country and it, they're making me do things i don't like i i it's it's gross to me and that sucks because i really i was a fan of this country i like i still I love where it, we're going man. i still love it and I, I feel super blessed just to be an american because that is it's a leg up to have an american passport and to be american born and um you know that safety that kind of comes from being the dick that's fucking the rest of the world being in the balls yeah no i'll agree yeah I'll, I'll definitely agree that uh, the the are mounting the rest of the world is yes that does give us we, a certain gravitas but, but there's still mm. i mean look at the media that comes out the best movies the best music you know maybe not right now but no, historically I, I, cars and technology and ideas i mean i'm really proud of american ideals the good american ideals and that's why there's a really conservative basis where they want to hold on to those ideals with everything they have and the reality is is that we've lost them already and we need to come up with a new way to get back to the ideals that make this country great because we they have been totally lost and i think one of the biggest things is like the exclusion of of mexicans that want to come here and immigration i think that's very anti-american i know a lot oh, yeah. of conservative people i mean my 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 uh, great grandma and grandpa came here from norway and sweden at you know 1910 and they spoke no English and they lived in Kansas on a farm and then they moved out here and then there's me. So what what the fuck's the difference? My parents yeah. my great grandparents were escaping a potato famine in in a shitty ass part of the world that was frozen over all the time and there was no economy there and they wanted to get out of there. So they risked their life floating to somewhere without the internet you know scary it must be to go on a boat for that long when you don't even know where you're going there's no pictures yeah. of it 100 years ago i mean they have the opportunity to come here i think if you're in any part of the world you need to come here you need to pay taxes you need to contribute you need to be documented and the door should be open yeah and i know a lot of people freak out because they think they're going to take our jobs or whatever they're already taking your jobs baby if you're worried about it they're already taking your job yeah, you know, it's, our, it's yeah, it's ex, it's our that's in the past. Like it's and you don't think yeah. that they can send jobs to Mexico? They don't think you can. They can send your job to Mexico. I mean, they'll send your job if you're trying to do tech support. They didn't send your job to Mexico. They sent it to India. I mean, there's oh well, yeah, I talked to the the market for jobs is global as well. So it's like these invisible lines that we have. 
of keeping people on their side or our side so we can have this fight over it. It's like, no, let's assimilate them in. Let's embrace yeah. their culture and let's build a better humanity so that we're not fighting over the same stupid shit so that we can actually then build and move forward. Yeah. Like do the thing we're founded on and we have a big fucking statue in New York that says give us our hunger, Inclu- tired masses. You yeah, know, include, the, yeah. <laughs> include everybody, respect everybody's opinion, punish criminals that actually hurt people, you know, provide an opportunity where everybody gets the same legal right. You know, yeah. things will be enforced differently. Like women in the workplace getting paid less, eventually that'll sort itself out. It's taken a long time for it to get to that point, but eventually it, w- it will. That's a, uh, I wait, wait, let me just stop you for, there for a second. Cause it's something I was thinking about recently. And I want somebody that knows better than me to, to answer this for me. Are women actually get, I mean, okay, wait, I know women are getting paid less, but is that a funky math thing? Because old dudes that get paid the most in big companies got that job from back when women couldn't get, like, are we seeing kind of grandfathered in giant salaries from back in the glass ceiling days, fucking the ratio up? Like, if we take, I don't know, salaries from 1985 and up, are women actually still getting paid less? And I'm not, I'm not making the argument, but I, I think there's yeah. a lot of of uh, pro male prejudice just in the business workplace in general. Just as oh, a I'm business sure. Person, I'm just curious I, what the what the actual numbers are if you take that. Yeah, you I t- think they're probably. I think off, they probably yeah. still are. I think they're probably still pretty unequal. I know that yeah. it's like seventy eight cents on the dollar or whatever it is. That being, I know a couple women that make half a million dollars a year and crush it, but yeah. they're on commission and they're crushing it out. They're not. Nobody gave them that opportunity. I think that there is an old boys network type mentality at a lot of businesses that promote men first um, and are just sexist that way. I think that that does still linger around. Um, I don't know how you solve that problem other than in the free market, women just demanding equal pay um, and having equal performance. But yeah, that's really what the numbers bear it out. I mean, when you talk about the national labor market and then those people, I don't, I don't think they're fucking with those numbers to the point where they're making up the problem. I mean, Oh no, I don't mean, I don't mean it makes it equal. Like obviously there's going to still be a disparity and it's going to be like listed towards the male side. I was just more curious that if you take kind of, you know, let's say we just put the line 1985 or 1990 and look at all, all new jobs from 1985 to now and look at, I think you're it just looking be, at the remnants of yeah, I mean. 10,000 years of unchecked prosperity of white males. Well, yeah. So I I'm just mean, curious how far it is. Like, obviously it's not, it's not equal. Like that's, I'm, I'm not an idiot, but like, I, like in my head, it feels more like it it'd is. probably be more like 90 cents. Like it's probably still a solid 10%, which is unfucking acceptable. But some of those numbers just seems it, it to my, my instincts feel like, in, in the, the world I grew up in, being born in 1980, the world I grew up in didn't feel nearly as male-dominated as the ones in just the 70s. Still male-dominated, yeah, but just the 10 years before I that... I think it was culture seen, yeah. changed a lot in the 90s and now. Yeah, that's with, what I mean, with, yeah. With a lot of divorce and a lot of single moms and a lot of moms back in the workplace, I think things have, have just changed. Those dynamics of the workplace has changed. I, I don't know if it's still, you know... Everything I read, it says that the numbers are still the same and that they're still making, you know, 78, 80 cents on the dollar. Yeah, but all of those numbers are fuckery. Like if you yeah. I mean, there's a lot of I mean, there's plenty of things you could look at, like pretty much just type in ad numbers or lies and they'll show you vast repositories of the way people skew any yeah. single number. Like you can look at one poll 
and then you'll see two different people on two different sides of the issue use the results of that one poll yeah. to prove their point. I've seen yeah. pretty pretty trusted math that just shows that for the same job, hour for hour, dollar yeah. for dollar, they get paid less. Well, yeah, that's no, I mean that's that's more. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm driving at is if we cut the line at you know 1990, is it just job to job? It is still 78 to. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I just thought it'd be closer. But like, I do kind of look at the world with little rose colored glasses at times because. You know, I don't really. Because you don't to, want to be depressed all the time. Yeah. Well, I am depressed all the time. It's super. But, it, it's <laughs> it's really easy to get yeah. depressed all the time just by watching the news. Yeah. Like all that stuff is just built to pry on negative emotion. Yeah. And I try not. I mean, honestly, I try not to hang out with racists and people that don't like women. Like that's not my social group. So it's it's not something I run into. All like if someone like is saying shitty things to a woman, it's like, oh, I'm not going to be friends with. You. Like this is not a unless a place it's a really it. funny joke. Yeah, that's yeah, but jokes are different. That's yeah, you're allowed to joke about anything. That's that's (laughs) absolutely fine. Like it's, I most of the women that I know that are in my life are smarter than me and make more money than I do. So I mean, maybe I think me too. Numbers are fucking skewed. Well, I mean, it might just be my my cultural bias is that most of the women I know are doing well. Most of the people I know are doing better than me, but (laughs) in comparison to my male friends, it seems like the females are doing better uh, on the average. It's just. Yeah, maybe it's just the world, you know, the world, it's fucking yeah. Portland, Oregon. So it's kind of, it's hard to see what Alabama looks like from here, you know? Other than stand-up comedy, I mean, women are just, they're getting killed in that market. It's like a hundred male comics to every female comic. Yeah. But like I mean, Jerry Lewis just yeah. clowning on women. Like women are not funny. I think that's totally untrue. I think the broad chitty six are, are hilarious. Yeah. I think Amy Schumer's hilarious. I, uh, Chelsea Peretti. There's a lot of really funny women, and you look in that industry though, it's like there's a ton of men. It's like what yeah. fifteen twenty to one for a professional comic. You think? Well, I mean, it makes sense for what it is. Is that you're standing on a stage saying, "Look at me, look at me, I want to run this room." That's a very male kind of vibe, you know. That's a that's that alpha really? male. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but I feel like women want the attention every bit as much as men. But do. they have it. They have an outlet for it already because if you're a cute chick. You can put on a low cut top and fucking high heels and get. Maybe your, that's why I like yeah. Amy Schumer because she's cute, but she's not like yeah. super hot, and she kind of just owns it. Yeah, that. But and the merit of her comedy is yeah. every bit as good and well written as you know somebody else. There's equal amount of men as women. I mean, there's a few more women. I think percent wise, there's like a half percent more women in yeah. the planet. So why do some things? You know, go other, especially something like stand up comedy that is totally open to yeah. everybody. Like, why, why is there a certain, you know, tendency for men to be in an industry over another, yeah. another one when it's something like that? But I mean, I think for me, it just, it feels like that's because men have a, I mean, everybody has a, a, a thing, you know, the kind of, there's a, there's a force that you want to be dominant and you want to take over a room and that's male and female. But males, there's not a lot of outlets to it. Like, if you're not a sporty type, which, let's face it, let's look at most of the comedians. <laughs> they're not playing sports. And, you know, and you're not smart, not necessarily smart, but you're not smart in that way that you're going to excel, you know, at it's scholastically. Standing in front of a room holding a metaphorical penis and beating the crowd <laughs> with it is, is, you know, Freudian. This is a very male thing because women have some other outlets. I mean, you can, and I'm not saying it's right, but I mean, you can basically... You know, you can peacock a lot easier than dudes. Not like dudes can walk around with half of their sack hanging out going, yeah, but chicks can show their I also think that there is something there of, there's a lot of men, like I've been at comedy shows where there's just men that aren't trying to hear what this chick is talking about because 
she's a chick. Oh yeah, well, yeah, dudes are terrible. Let's not take that away. Yeah. I just mean I just mean the pure numbers game is is I think just the the but that because pre- of what that are, same yeah. that same prejudice of like I don't want to listen to this chicks yeah. talk about this. That's the same. Those are the same people that might be hiring for a job that have that built-in prejudice. So yeah. I think that that's just the reality of the world is there's a lot of people that are like racist or sexist or whatever that don't know that they are, but hmm. it's just, they, they fucking are. <laughs> and that's another kind of quiet reality. Yeah. That it's, I guess, it's there kind of beneath the surface. I guess to me, it's or just more subtle, yeah, the kind of broken fucked up types that, you know, find their way into, you know, Look, I'll throw it at me that find themselves ending up as writers or fucking, you know, stand up com- comedians, like the people that end up sitting in comedy fucking places, you know, talking to the comics, like not just the, oh, I'll wander in and get a laugh tonight, you know, kind of the comedy, I don't want to say groupies, but the hanger on a little bit, that kind of fucked up personality. It's not surprising to me that they would have issues with women or strong men or black men or just any kind of you know it's just it's not surprising that they were good that they're going to be the fucked up ones amongst well, a lot us. of times yeah. comedians are they're a mirror for your own insecurity or the things that you're you know concerned about and yeah. that's why it's funny when somebody has the balls to say something on stage that you relate to in a way that it's personally funny to you and that's all stand-up comedy is like there there are some comedians that just master knowing what clicks with people yeah and what gets an emotion either way um who's the funniest stand-up comedian you've ever seen live ever seen live um actually probably regan brian regan was yeah. was the one that yeah i think he probably killed the absolute fucking hardest and yeah that was i saw that was pretty heavy i saw dave Chappelle do like two hours at the schnitz yeah like recently after he got booed off the stage in connecticut yeah dude incredible like he crushed like i haven't seen oh yeah i've seen a lot of stand-up comedy and dude crushed the schnitz and he was like paranoid about people taking pictures and shit yeah and like was kind of a dick about things people were super tense but that guy is a uh like a mega star yeah people go people were going crazy when he was about to come on stage well i mean he was known in the community as absolutely without a doubt the funniest comic working for a lot of years like all the comics wouldn't even give a second thought to go no it's a tell yeah it's it's course it's him there's no yeah yeah, there's no second place well i like i've seen uh i saw let's see i saw seinfeld at the schnitz which oh really never seen him live you know what man dude was really good oh really yeah like i i didn't know what to expect it was a couple of years ago and uh my, i'm a big seinfeld fan just in general of the show and went and saw him live and and just splurged on tickets and got close and i'm so happy that i did because it was incredible way better than i thought it was going to be even like knowing seinfeld yeah you know for a long time all new jokes that i had never heard before and and killed he was really good. I've seen Rogan a couple times. I've seen Segura a couple times, and Ari Shafir, all those Death Squad guys. Yeah, Doug Benson. I've never seen made, Doug. Yeah, he. I've I've gotten to see him four or five yeah. times just randomly. I saw him uh, when the Death the Ice House Chronicles first came out, and they were doing those the little shows in the yeah. Ice House down there. Uh, it was during the Rose Bowl. I just happened to be down there, and I went and I saw. Um, all those guys work out a bunch of material and then they forgot about Doug Benson and he was supposed to do like 15 minutes. He ended up doing like an hour cause they forgot about him back there <laughs> and just without dropping him beat, yeah. just ended up killing. And he's got that like 
witty giggly humor that when you're in person for it like the whole room is dying i have yeah. such respect for for comedians that can just turn it on and take over a room like that i love going to stand up it's like my, probably my favorite thing to do like outside of even going to sport games and stuff like that now i'd rather go and see a really funny stand-up yeah louis ck is my my last like dream comedian that i'm trying to get i saw to. him a million years all those new york guys i saw a whole bunch of times back when i grew up on the east coast and i saw a, a, i'm trying to think there's anyone i missed i mean pretty much all of the big new york comics that were coming up in the i moved out here in 05 so or 04 so around that like mid 2000s area everybody that was working in new york i saw like a bunch of times because yeah. caroline's on Caroline's in the cellar. Yeah, I think. Oh no, no, the cellar is what I'm thinking of. Um, the cellar is awesome, where you go yeah, down the stairs. It's it's in Louis' one, show a bunch. One on. Uh, I'm trying to remember where it was, but there's on Wednesday. Either way, it was Wednesday nights were essentially were the nights that the local fucking dudes would work out. And by local dudes, I mean like Jim Norton's just walking in, Jim and then Louis there. O'Neal. Like, yeah, I saw Patrice a couple of times. I never saw Patrice kill, which kind of bothers me because any I always went on like the shitty nights. So it was just yeah. him kind of fucking around. Like he's my all time really favorite. funny. But I never saw him do like the full, the thing I know from Opiate Anthony and the thing I know from yeah. his stand. Like I never saw him even make the attempt. It was just him kind of fucking around and very amusing. Like, oh, this dude's funny, but I never, he never saw him. never wrote jokes yeah. ever. He just, he just did his stuff. He just talked on stage and he had bits that he would do, but they were all in his head. Yeah. And so there are probably ups and downs in his shows where he's just working stuff out. But like Elephant in the Room, that. Yeah, uh, that was fucking funny. Oh so, my yeah. God. Like. And all the opening Anthony clips that they still kind of put out now after he's gone. Like, yeah. He's my all-time favorite comedian. He he says some shit that's so ridiculous. It's like right in my mind. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like it's simulation theory. Like this guy is saying, this guy is speaking right to my crazy fucked up brain. Like he's speaking my language. And it could be about something ridiculous. Yeah. So. No, I loved him on, I, I've been an uh, opening Anthony fan. That's how, I, that's how I found the whole, well, not how I found the whole Death Squad thing. That's. That squad didn't exist, but, um, that's, you know, when, when Rogan started doing the podcast, they yeah. talked about him on ONA. So I've been listening to like those guys forever. So like Teresa was like my friend for a number of years, like, oh, yeah. like, but he's the one dude that like, I don't get convinced by people because they're charismatic. Like I'm really good at listening to what you're saying, like the facts of it, mm -hmm. and then trying to figure out if I think that makes sense. And I'll, you know, you figure out if I can make that work with my worldview, but he's one of those people, especially when he's talking about women. I would start fucking believing him. And, and he would hit areas of brilliance. But where I had to step like, back man. and go, I don't even know what you're saying is wrong, but you're just really fucking charismatic. And like, I think you could make me blow you. Like <laughs> you're that fucking good. Like you tricky bastard. Like, he, he'll, you know? he'll hit like, I'll be listening to him explain something and he'll go off on a crazy tangent and bring it back and have it relate perfectly yeah and have it be like so uncanny how it fits together and how he uses the language and the different ideas to you know get his point across i, I love yeah. his whole whole demeanor about not being fake with people like all the stories about him going into studios to get tv shows and him basically going off on the execs for oh, yeah, yeah. mind and on the air and shit like that yeah. and just going off on people like i don't know i miss him i i wish that there was more of that attitude you ever hear that one where, uh, uh, so he, he basically said no to Chris Rock being on one of Chris Rock's shows or something that it would have been a giant, giant career fucking thing. So they had fucking Chris, uh, Opie they had Chris Rock come in and kind of make fun of Patrice while he was there. He's like, what the fuck were you doing? And we're just like, I know, I, just, yeah, I know. And that. it was like, it was funny because it was Patrice that rare, like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I, uh, I still like ONA. 
it's it's not the same without Patrice just because he's such an original guy and they all played really well with each other. Him and Norton. Yeah. Patrice and Norton going back and forth and like just being two polar opposites in yeah. terms of just their worldview. Yeah. But then always connecting like in the end. Like, I don't know. I think that it's guys like that that really break down equality because he re- like he can relate. Everybody can relate to that or they can relate to a certain stand-up comedy like it's the best way to communicate the change of ideas the way how people think and in a way where people are unguarded so i the people that do stand up really really well and their jokes are crafted to have a message and or to to make a point of whatever it may be and they can actually do it in a way that's funny it makes you laugh like i have the ultimate yeah. respect for those guys that's yeah they're that's the reason i, I love podcasts and that's when i started doing podcasts it's listening to them doing like that's why i don't listen to a lot of stand-up now because i realize like no i just like the comedians like i yeah. respect their work and i still love stand-up but i'm not nearly as into it because like no i like podcast i like listening to comedians talk because i just like the way their brain i love listening i love listening yeah. to bits grow and i like yeah. i like hearing the same set of somebody. I know the the comedians themselves don't like when fans listen to the same set a bunch while they're working stuff out. But I personally really like. I, I saw Segura open for Rogan in Seattle, and I saw him in Portland. I saw him in L.A., and I happened to see him randomly in Brooklyn right before his special came out on Netflix. So yeah. I got to see that same set like four or five times, and it evolved, and the tags kind of change in the, the timing kind of change and i like that because i like to see the craft of it because the guys that really really work at it you can hear it get better and you can hear it evolve and you can kind of hear their hard work or whatever they want it to be so i i love that part of it of the whole stand-up yeah thing so yeah if i get the opportunity that's that's kind of fills that same urge that i have for podcast stuff or not even i don't mean every podcast like if they're trying to be professional fuck that I, I got no time to listen to that show but when it's yeah. just comedians talking to each other like actually just being honestly talking to each other that's what i like that's like yeah. that that you know sitting at the table at caroline's or whatever the fuck that uh the, or is that the cellar one of them there was a you know the famous the table where it's just this mm. group of comedians and essentially a they new sit guy there and talk shit about the comedian that's on stage yeah and then <laughs> like god forbid a new guy shows up and then you like you'll hear stories him. four years later be like i remember the first time i saw you fucks at the table and I just go, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, cool. Because yeah. now you know who this dude is and you get to hear these horror stories of just getting by fucking raided by yeah. some of the quickest minds of the planet. Like, oh, I, that's, that's I beautiful. Have, I have respect for the people that can go into like that super hostile territory and yeah. like survive and thrive and have their own thing there. So it, it's a really individual solo thing, stand up comedy. I mean, it's just you. It's one of the reasons why I like MMA is that it's just one-on-one and there's no other interference. And I like that, like, I can shut up and listen to somebody talk for 15 minutes, half hour, hour, and listen to their their bit if it's well-produced and put together. Like, I really enjoy that insight into Hannibal Burris's life, listening to him do stand-up, because yeah. you can tell that his jokes and his writing is really uniquely him. Like, I think that's cool. And you don't get that with, like, those super overproduced TV shows uh on pretty much any cable channel because it's just there's so many voices there the best things are when there's just one voice like louis ck just to say louis show it's him like he's writing it producing it directing it the whole thing and those are the shows like seinfeld was just larry david and seinfeld yeah and that's the stuff that i like because it's it's 
it's it's just better. There's something yeah. better about it. And stand up is like the ultimate evolution of that. Of you're on stage by yourself, and it's on you to entertain the crowd, and you either do it or you don't. And yeah. I like that about that. No, I'm a fan of that. Too. That's the aspect. That's why I tried. I tried to learn chess recently for that exact thing because I used to be pretty good at poker, and I just started to get tired of it because. I just didn't play enough hands to like... There's a lot of luck involved. Yeah, I didn't play enough hands to have the luck kind of settle out. Because if you play enough, the luck sifts away and the good players play stand. play a lot of hands. Yeah, that, and I just I just didn't have a picture. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try some fucking chess. Try to learn how to play chess. Put my head to this. And I just didn't have the I didn't have the, the patience for it, you know, to, to learn. But I'm like, that's the beautiful part of it. Because there's no, there's no bullshit. There's no lucky. There's just... It's yeah. you, another dude... You know, fucking pieces aboard, and, and yeah, the, let's let's do this shit. Yeah, you know? it's it's like learning chess is like learning jujitsu, where it's just there's never an end to it. It's just yeah. you constantly are trying to get better, and then it becomes you versus yourself. And those are the things that I like the most. Like, I've been a sports fan my whole life. I've loved basketball and football and team sports and stuff like that. But football seems totally compromised to me at this point with all the new rule changes yeah. and all the concussion stuff. Kind of makes me like weary like watching all these people that i know when, when you see a documentary that like all the pittsburgh steelers championship offensive linemen from the 76 year they all died in yeah. their early 50s they all had cte they're all fucked up and i see that now and i'm just like man it's really hard to watch these guys doing this to themselves and you know that there's no way around it and now all the rules are trying to protect them but there's just an inherently super violent game yeah and i i watched that and you can talk shit in an interview and you can, you know, at the end of the day, there's so many moving parts. There's 55 guys on a team. If a quarterback is out on a point spread, it doesn't move a point spread more than like three points for more than like the top six guys in the league. Cause it's just a team game. You yeah. can lose your quarterback and it's still a team game in other sports. I like the individual stuff more now, kind of as I get older, cause I respect the, like the battle of always trying to improve off of yourself and having there be no perfect. It's always getting better. The game is always yeah. evolving and it's always you versus somebody else. I appreciate that a little bit more when there's no like wiggle room. Like golf, man, golf is a game of discipline and yeah. not melting down. As much as it is physical, it's like no, probably it's, 80 or 90% keeping your, your mental just on the rails. It's, once you get to that level, it's, it's, I used to play, uh, per, not professional, but I actually did play professional a few times of disc golf, like frisbee yeah. golf. And no, seriously, like I was a member of the Professional Disc Golfers Association. Did you wear a headband? Uh, no, I did not wear a headband, but I did compete in, you know, many, many tournaments. And I can absolutely tell you that skill wise, like the, sh the, the shots versus the other shots, just me versus the rest of the field, I could have won multiple tournaments. And I just, it was mental. Every, everything that yeah. I missed was managing just, the emotion. It's so amazing like that. And I've, I've watched the pro guys play like the top level disc golf dudes and watching them play. It's like these dudes are equally, you know, comparable physically. This guy actually might even be better, but this guy's just the tiny little bit. His head game is just yeah. a little bit off and it's just. That's that's six strokes. Even being a, even being a bad golfer, but just a competitive person, when you hit a bad shot and then you hit another bad shot, that third shot getting your like your mental right, yeah, it becomes a challenge. Like if you're playing with your friends and they're beating you, or you're yeah, you hit a shot and you look like a complete douchebag because it is a really individual sport and it's a hard sport to learn. So there's a lot of like taking your lumps and humility in the beginning of it. And if you hit a few bad ones and you can't control 
you know, just keep staying relaxed and hitting the ball the right way, then it becomes a different game yeah. entirely. And even as a bad golfer, like I'm not even good, you still battle that mental side of the game. And that's why I like um, that individual conquest yeah. and always trying to get better like i'm not gonna ever win a pga tour event but i want to be better than the last time i played so i can play golf forever and always try to and not get bored of that trying to get better and it's a more direct result in terms of my success or my failure so i like the individual stuff yeah. a little bit more as now, i get older that's the way I've, I've always leaned though uh some of the teen sports stuff even though it's it, by necessity teen sport like football before kind of the modern game like not even modern but like the kind of what do they call parody or the recent era of football where every team has to be almost as good as the other and mm -hmm. you can't get dynasties really going i liked kind of pre pre that where it could be like a really good coach gets a really good quarterback and it's like oh fuck the rest of the, the rest yeah. of the league now has to react to that and that, yeah it's not individual but there's a little bit more of a badass really, kind of a it's couple really of beautiful dudes. when it works yeah. all together. Like basketball is a perfectly perfect example of, you know, when a game comes together and yeah. everybody works together for a common goal. I mean, every team sport is like that. And I do really appreciate that. But like the shit talking and the current environment of it, of I'd rather just get to the point and settle it. Yeah, I don't need I used to love ball sports, football, basketball, whatever. I've never really been a soccer fan, but like I always like those sports first. And now I'm just like, man, I just want to see these fucking guys fight. Yeah, I just want to don't I don't I don't give I don't care if you can kick the ball through this goal and show dexterity. If you're flopping around, I want to see if you can stop this guy from beating your ass or if you can beat that guy. So yeah. That's like all I'm worried. Like these fake little fights now in every sport. It's like, this isn't real. Yeah. So now I'm just like, I've in the last couple of years, just been, a, became a huge MMA, like UFC fan. Cause I just want to see people talk whatever shit you want. At the end of the day, you're getting in there and it's mono mono or woman versus woman. I love women's MMA. It's yeah. awesome. Um, but you can say whatever you want when you go in there, whether you win or lose, it's all on you and you, you know, it's a test of where you're at. I appreciate that so much because they're those guys at the top, like that margin for being excellent. Like those guys all are crazy, crazy athletic and they're all super dedicated and they work really hard and then they get in the cage and it could go any way. And they have that same, imagine that battle of emotions walking into this the is cage. I, I was thinking about, I, love it. I was trying to find a way to work out that like, it you just wouldn't bore the shit out of me. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll do like, like kickboxing or something like that. Like, not like try to compete, but just fucking just hit a bang and it's great. Yeah. Exercise, just yeah. trying to figure it out. And then maybe like spar around a little bit, nothing fucking big. But it, I was just thinking about like my nerves of like, if I ever had to spar or do like anything that involved any kind of like actual performance of it, my complete fucking lack. I was like, cause I'm just flashing back to the disc golf stuff going, I don't have the fucking head for it. Like, cause you I would never just, know though. I mean, you might, level, you, might you, know? you might get in there and get punched in the face and you get punched in the face might be the catalyst that gets you over all of that in your life. Yeah. And you, and you just realize, man, I was anxious about this and it wasn't that bad. And I'm still here. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I that's just, all yeah. life is, is getting ready. You just got to be ready to take a fucking punch. Well, I mean, no, but I certainly collapsed. Metaphorically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, but metaphorically I've gotten punched in tournaments. Like I've collapsed in, in, poker tournaments and in, in disc golf and in backgammon I, I i certainly know what it's like to do the thing i'm anxious <laughs> of but there's some stuff that is like like fighting just like all right me person standing and we're about to mm you know have a fucking mma fight 
oh man, keeping my head on. Like if one thing goes wrong, keeping my head on straight and like, especially those guys at the top where it's like, they're the very best in the entire world. If you talk about like John Jones fighting anybody, dude, six, five, 205 pounds. He's fighting another guy who's six, five, 205 pounds. They're they're alpha males that have had that mentality their whole life that they've been that killer alpha mentality forever. They've been number one. They feel undefeated in their mind. And they're, they're they're warriors in their mind, and they're trying to compete and be the very, very, very best at fighting in the whole world. And fighting is a really sobering sport to be involved in because it can go bad, you know, in golf. And at the end of the day, you're getting paid to golf, and you're going home to your super hot wife because there's a lot of hot wives. Yeah. In the oh golf. yeah. There's, there's yeah. no toll on your body. You go into an MMA fight and you mess around. I mean, you can get fucked up. Yeah. So. I mean, these guys are fighting for legacy. They're fighting for glory. They're fighting for money. They're fighting for to be the alpha guy in the whole world. So think about the the mindset that they just have in their everyday life, and then getting ready to go into the cage. Like that shit gets me so amped just thinking about like them squaring off right before they're about yeah. to fight. Because it's always moving forward. Like even though there's a champion in basketball every single year. You're constantly tested. Who's the toughest guy? Who's the best guy? And it, there's no season to it. So there's yeah. always fights going on. So that's why I like it because it's just a constant test of who's the toughest guy right now. I don't care who it is. I have no dog in the fight, but it's always settled right then and there. There's no, I mean, every once in a while there's a draw or bad decision. But for yeah. the most part, there's always a resolution. So when you watch it, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's always definitive, and there's no other bullshit in the way. Yeah. So, well, I mean, sometimes there is, but sometimes yeah. there is, but the the older I get and the more football games I watch where there's a, a winning drive extended by a terrible out of bounds hit by a referee and then it extends the drive and then yeah. they get into field goal range and they kick a field goal to win a game. They shouldn't have won. It just leaves a weird taste in my mouth of like, man, there's so much interference here just to the competition in, in yeah. general that, I, I kind of just like getting right down to it. Yeah, now. that's but the only team sport I really watch is uh, if I have the chance, I watch you know, Premier League uh, football, like soccer, because they're fucking so good at it yeah. that you're watching. You're like, this is these are seriously so like, I don't even really understand what's happening. Trying really you, hard to get into the timbers, man. All my yeah. friends are really into it and I, I love what they're doing for the city. And I like that they're bringing in all this business, but I just, I can't see, I can't do that. But like watching, I just couldn't care less. I'm sorry. I think timbers it's all right. Fans. But watching fucking top level, you know, European play, it's, it's just, Oh my God, you people are good at this. And you just yeah. watch you like, yeah, this is another level, but I like hockey. Cause it's still, it's still pretty pure. You can still beat the shit out of somebody if you want to. Like, yeah. there's still a lot of like that. There's still a lot of that kind of old school grid teen sport there. But for me, yeah, it's nowadays pretty much just fighting is the only thing I really. I feel like hockey is more like that game is prefer, uh, preserved more of it's about the game than it is about the outside stuff. Yeah. And maybe there's less of a market for the pop culture that goes on around hockey. But I think it's also part of the just the tradition and persona of the people that play hockey. It's just more of a sport first uh sport where like people that love hockey they always want to convince you to yeah. watch hockey oh i'm i'm that way I, I literally find myself doing that i have to stop myself or else yeah. i'm like four minutes into a this is why hockey rules conversation <laughs> like oh, i hate when people do this to me because people always try to convince me to watch basketball and it's not like i haven't seen it before like i'm well familiar with basketball i've watched a bunch of it 
it's just really fucking boring to me up until the last little bit, if it's close. And then the last little bit, there's a whole bunch of calling timeouts. And that's like the, that's the basketball equivalent to the fucking, to the field goal to end a game. It's just, it's yeah. not the game. You're I not love playing. the strategy yeah. of I've coached basketball. No, I dig the strategy. I, I love but, it, but it's ugh. just, I get, I get what yeah. you're saying. Like the gamesmanship comes down to the last little bit and there's a lot of, uh, on, it's kind of a dichotomy because on one hand, I like in individual sports that you are only reliant on yourself. But on the other side of that, I like a great player having to work with what he has around him. Yeah. And, you know, working together and making, you know, it go. Like if you think about Michael Jordan and all of his championships, a lot of those teams are not obviously not championship teams without Michael Jordan. And he had to overcome that adversity and do they had to build a team that could compete against another team the way that they, you know, run their sets yeah. and they run all their shit. Like I appreciate all the, the X's and O's and the strategy and the gamesmanship that goes into it. It's just fallen off my radar as um it it I don't know what happened to the NFL. Like it's better than it ever has been. It gets huge ratings and no, everybody see, loves it. But no, when that's I watch why it's it, not better than it has been. Yeah, maybe so. This is the same as the internet going stupid. Yeah, yeah, everybody's on the internet, so it blows. Like, they're making the NFL blow because everybody... It used to be just... If they're playing yeah. football, I want it to be fucking violent. Yeah. I want it to be violent, and I don't want the quarterback to have all these extra rules, like the... The Peyton the, rules. You yeah. have to have, like, a Juris Doctorate to understand yeah. some catches. And did he control the ball through yeah. the process of the catch? What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. So there's people, like... NFL coaches probably work harder being an NFL coach than 99% of professions do anything. I mean, there's 30 pro football coaches and those guys obsessed to the point where they're like, you talk, John Gruden would wake up at two 30 in the morning and go to work and work 20 hours a day. And they're just, they're crazy about yeah. it. You know what their challenge record is pro coaches like less than 50%. So the coaches that are obsessing over the sport like crazy, they don't even know which yeah. way these things are fucking going. They don't even know what the right call is. So then at home, it's just a crapshoot. And then trying to explain football. I, I love football, people. I'm not bagging on it. But try to explain football to somebody that does not know any of the rules of it. It's like there's so many fucking rules of yeah. the lineman can set in a two-point stance and when he puts his hands down if the quarterback hasn't said set they can still move their hips and their shoulders but if the quarterback says set and they have their hand down then they can't move their shoulders in this plane but the center can he can put his head up and down and it's like that's just to get one player set for one play yeah. and that's on a standard play and there's so many of those fucking I have rules. never in my life understood an illegal formation. It's been explained. I mean, I get it, but I don't fucking understand an illegal formation. You, yeah. you gotta have your tackle covered by either yeah, a wide receiver. Yeah, shut up. Whatever it's just, that means. Yeah, it just... I know what that means. I, I, no, I mean, no, I get it kind of on paper, but like on a... It's just, it, it's just kind of like you just put those rules in to have rules. There was rules. a huge part of my life for like maybe through like my junior year of high school through pretty much all of college where I watch sports and sports center and basketball games and football games, like every spare moment, uh, kind of what I do with podcasts now yeah. where I like, while, while I'm working, while I'm relaxing, while I'm doing whatever, there's always something on. It was always basketball or football. And that's kind of just faded away the last 
little bit. I guess I've either been working a lot or whatever, but all those rules that, that go into it, it kind of cheapens the whole thing for me. It leaves a sour taste in my mouth. No, I so agree. I'm just yeah. trying to, I, the, I, I don't know what the solution there is either because you want the people to be safe, but there's I, just so many ticky tack rules that. Well, that whole leather helmet me. thing is actually as stupid as it sounds. It makes sense in a way. It, yeah, well, I was, uh, I was watching this thing, uh, from, England, because that's where uh, when you steal streams to watch uh, football games, it's usually the uh, English stream. So it's like these, like it's a usually uh, allegedly, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I do. Um, so it's the uh, the there's a dude that a football commentator, but like an actual proper English you know, soccer commentator, it's funny, and a retired uh, NFL guy you'd never heard of, and and uh, but they the the football commentator, the soccer commentator, uh, made a really good point about rugby, and they're like, ah, oh, well, the rugby league, and he just starts dropping stats of like. No one gets concussed in rugby. Like there's like all of this weird shit that happens in football just doesn't exist. The problem there. is that American football is so awesome as a product and it's so unbelievable to gamble on that it's it's just it's worth it. So they're gonna change yeah. the rules to keep it the way it is. Yeah, it's true. Because yeah. it's amazing. Like all the shit that I just talked aside, it's amazing. The yeah. NFL playoffs are amazing. People get geeked about I mean, around here, there was a lot of Seahawk interest when they won the Super Bowl. I'm not a Seahawk fan personally, but every single person I knew had an opinion on that Super Bowl. I mean, people were either cheering for the Seahawks or they wanted all the Seahawks fans to just shut the fuck up. They knew about the game. They were interested yeah. in the game. They were interested in the outcome. And there's no other sport that gets that much interest. And it's for a reason. People are drawn to it for a reason. But me personally, I don't know. I, the rule changes the last little bit. I hope they, or I wish they would reverse them. I just don't think that they're going to. I'm knocking just all sorts of shit off. Yeah, whatever. Thunderdome here. No, the, uh, I, I mean, whatever. It's still a fun product. I just, I used to like it more. But uh, MMA wise, why, and I'm just going to ask you because I keep forgetting to ask anybody. Why, why can't big country just lose weight and then win a belt? Because he, he's not going to win in the division he's in. He's a big fat guy. Drop weight and be go to the next one down or chill below. You're a big fat dude. Yeah, I it mean, bothers he'd me because still he's, he'd probably still fight heavyweight. I mean, he'd probably still he's two fifty five, so he has to lose fifty pounds to fight at the weight division below. He could do that easily. But if yeah. he, but I mean, he could even fight two thirty. I mean, Cain Velasquez fights two thirty five. He's a heavyweight. No, champ. but I'm saying don't don't be heavyweight anymore. You're not gonna win that belt. You're incredibly talented. He's, You're, he's like a, a in, in no, but he's a either. he's a he's jujitsu black belt. He's got a f massively powerful fucking punch. At least go to yeah. a division you have a chance. It just bothers me because it's. You're just watching this dude waste his career. Not waste. He's making money. He's whatever. But waiting again as a fatty. I mean, I'm a fellow fatty. I, I well, look. I'm not exactly it. spelt myself, but I just. I. I. You're not. You. Your job is. You're a you, professional athlete. And yeah. You, you, you think that going into a five round fight in a desert, he'd show up without a beard and you'd show up a little more in shape. But he doesn't. Yeah. And that's why his fans like him because he's a fat guy who's just going to try to knock your head off and people like that get him on his back he can survive there he's got good grappling he's got underrated grappling but he's not going to out wrestle Nogueira he's yeah. going to try to knock his head off and he's going to try to knock his head off until the heat of Abu Dhabi and just the 
you know, the drain on, on your stamina, just fighting in general and being a fat guy. Yeah. He's got like four minutes. To but get that's it what done. bothers me. It's he, a 25 yeah. minute fight. So he's got to yeah. get it done or he's going to get put on his back and he's going to be breathing mm-hmm. heavy. And you're thinking, why didn't he lose some of that weight and build his cardio yeah. a little bit? But even on his back, he's a black, he's like a decorated jujitsu fighter. He's one of yeah. the best jujitsu fighters in the world. Like, I mean, he's good. He, he's he doesn't good for go to a the big ground guy, anymore. But yeah. He uses his big guy leverage well and. He's good if he can get on top of you. You can survive yeah. on the bottom. But, I mean, he's not trying to submit anybody from the bottom. He's trying to just survive and tie up and get stood up so you can try to knock your head off. Yeah, but again. that's like a recent thing. I wish he had never figured out that he's got power. Because I remember when that started to happen. Some guys that happens yeah. and then they just want to keep throwing it that's over what he did. and over and over. And cool. You're making money. You're selling t-shirts. And that if that's what you're there for, aces. Like, I'm not going to take it away from you. Yeah. But just You see him get to the top of that division, though. The guys that are really more well-rounded and then he struggles. Yeah. He can't even. And to me, and this just goes to my competitive nature, is if you have the chance to win a belt, do some fucking sit-ups, get a dude, the, the, get a fucking dietitian, get some, get your ass thin, and go to go somewhere that you can win your fucking belt. Go down yeah. a division. It's just, I mean, even just get in shape and be more in shape and fight. Like I understand, like for him to cut that much weight would be a long process, and then you'd have to constantly be eating healthy. That's it takes a championship mentality to to just have that be your lifestyle yeah. and to live that disciplined lifestyle. He's not trying to do that. He's trying to knock people's heads off. No, I, I dig, but I just and yeah. I think that's I, part I of why people. Yeah. I think that's part of why people yeah. like him is he's just like fuck it. I'm gonna go in there and yeah. just take your best shot. I mean, he's got a crazy chin. Yeah, he's got a crazy chin, and he just takes damage punishment and is hoping that whole time. It's kind of like Mark Hunt. It's the same way, short, squatty yeah. guys, just super powerful, ready to knock your head off at any time. And you just makes the fight exciting because even if he's getting his ass kicked, you know that that I mean, it's just like uh, Dan Henderson in his last fight versus Shogun Hua. He got knocked down like three times and he almost lost at the end of the first round and then caught him with that shot and knocked him out. Yeah, and that's the best. Sometimes those guys that have that power they'll sell tickets just based off that power. Yeah. And, and Roy Nelson's just like that. He knows he doesn't have to cut weight. He doesn't guess, have to live yeah. that life. I just, I guess I just have the problem of, and it's, it's good for him. He's making money. I just curious to see how yeah. he does tomorrow. I'm That's a, I'm just it. a dude that would want to win a belt. Like, I mean, I understand the money is important. I get that, but this is, this is the thing you're doing with your life. You don't have that many years left. At least make a run at it. Yeah. You're not winning the heavyweight but belt. But on the other yeah. thing, maybe he's maybe he's realized that he's not going to win a belt. Yeah. And he's, you know, they're prize fighters. No, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Day, yeah. And his his physique adds to kind of the yeah the weird charm. I don't get wrong. I I still fucking love watching him fight. It yeah. just it frustrates because he's got the skill set. I think it's he's not like get beat it's tomorrow. not like Tank Abbott where it's just like. You can Tank take a, you can awesome. take a punch. You can throw punches really hard, and you basically just windmilled your arm like you're fighting your older brother while you're wearing and, shoes. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, Tank was, Abbott was yeah. back in the days where they still wore like tennis shoes. Yeah, yeah, and that was fun as fuck. Like I'm down with that. It's just you, yeah. yeah. I still I still watch all the old stuff too. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, there's so much MMA coming up in the next two months too. There's like a card, one or two cards every weekend for the next two months. So yeah. Uh, what's Abu Dhabi? The what's the main event? The main event's Roy Nelson and Minotaro Nogueira. Oh, that's oh okay. I thought that that's was the main. One. That's okay, the main yeah. one. So that's gonna be a five five minute round fight. So that's gonna be hard yeah. for for Roy Nelson who gasses in three round fights. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not like he's getting the three rounds. Even if he does, he's you know huffing by the end. Yeah, yeah. he's drowning. Yeah, I mean it's hard to be that size and to you know 
and especially when it's 90 degrees yeah. and it's open air and the air's dry, he's going to be gassed. Yeah, that's so. Yeah. Well, and the guy he's fighting is from Brazil, who's used to that heat yeah. and is an older guy himself. But I don't know. I think, I mean, it should be an interesting fight. At the end of the day, that's all the UFC cares about is that the fight is interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. More so than it is good. No, I mean, I understand that. I mean, I'm, you know, I get, I get where this is coming from. I, you know, I don't think Dana should step in just, you know, I, but you make a good point. Yeah. He probably did at some point go, look, I'm not winning a belt. I might as well, you know, stay in the, yeah. I'm just going to do, be like this character almost. Yeah. What's the next like main, like a numbered one? Is that Gustafson? Uh, that's the end of this month. Gustafson and, uh. Oh, that is, that is the next one. Yeah. I mean, the next like, you know, pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, let's see. John Jones is fighting Teixeira April 26th in Baltimore. And that's, so that's a couple weeks out. Um, probably going to mess up the order a little bit, but there's, there's a free card yeah. tomorrow. And then, uh, let's see. Weidman's fighting Machida. No, no. Weidman's July. out. He blew his knee out. He's still fighting. Oh, really? I just read like a couple days ago that they, they canceled him or they, in, they, uh, the word is that he's going to fight. Oh, July. no shit. Oh, yeah. I didn't read that. Oh, okay. That's cool. He yeah. just went under double knee surgery. And the day he had the surgery, they posted a video of him jogging around in his no shit. videos of Anderson Silva doing leg presses with oh. his broken leg. And it's fine. He thinks he's going to fight by the end of the year. Oh, Anderson. I can't believe it. I uh, Talk about mental. How do you, yeah. how do you take a leg kick after that happens to you? Dude, how do you how, how does, do you throw one when they Chris, oh. Chris said that he checked the first one and that he felt it crack and that he thought that Anderson just wouldn't throw another one and Anderson just came back and threw even oh, harder. I, honestly, hit. I don't even like thinking about it. Oh God, that was Dude, the worst yeah, thing I've ever I was, seen. So, I was really bummed out uh. when I saw that because I'm a big Anderson Silva fan. I just don't want to see any legend go out like that. And I thought it was done for him. So it's cool that he's trying to come back maybe for himself. I don't think he needs to prove it to anybody because his foot was like off of his leg. It just like, Yeah. <laughs> it at so the, I crazy. mean, at his age too, I, I, I get him coming back a bit, but I just, I hope he doesn't go for I hope he bill. comes back and just kicks somebody in the fucking head and knocks him out. I think yeah. he'd just be incredible. Well, I would <laughs> like to see him start doing, you know, kind of show fights almost or whatever you call it Super you know fights, yeah yeah like big ones that would i'd be fine i'd be i mean i'd be fine with him trying to go for a belt again because i love that dude i've loved that dude for years now like yeah i'm still gonna root for him but like it's just at that age and after your leg broken fucking half like oh yeah i'm like oh just fight people you can win they against like he <laughs> won't he won't fight anybody other than chris weidman oh uh, yeah and they wouldn't say that right now but if anderson silva has one fight left in him the biggest fight left is yeah. Chris Weidman because George St. Pierre just tore his other ACL. Oh, did that happen? Yeah. Oh, so, I didn't read that. Oh, yeah. Fuck. So he's, he has another ACL tear. He's already, I mean, out the door, but they were saying he might come back at 185 and fight yeah. Anderson Silva finally. I mean, coming off of double knee surgeries, I mean, it's going to be pretty tough, but yeah. I mean, I'm curious to see if, if Anderson can do it just because that's a feat of medicine it's yeah. a feat of science it's a feat of just mental toughness because even like mentally going through all that rehab and getting it strong again yeah and knowingly making the same decision again to get in there where it could happen again I, it's because you get, know when he gets in there he's gonna throw a fucking leg that's in. exactly the thing is it's not getting into the ring again i could see him talking himself into it getting there getting there but throwing a leg kick is just but i don't know if i could do shit it that yeah. he's, it's it's stubborn 
And, you know, there's probably some negative personality trait that you can tie to it. But that dude does not look at yes, no answers like everybody else does. When it comes to his fight career, he believes in his ability to do something that it doesn't matter if I think he can recover and get back to it because he thinks that he can. Yeah. And in his mind, he's made the decision. He's going to come back. He's going to get better and he's going to train. He's going to come back. And I respect that, too, of just like, I'm not even going to let this fucking slow me down at 38. I'm going to come back and do it. Yeah. And that kind of gets me juiced up when I like see him doing leg presses and I'm sitting and not doing leg presses at all. And this guy's out there, you know, rehabbing this crazy industry or injury so he can come back and compete again. So now that's exciting. I, I, I am excited by it. it just, but you're going to be holding your breath that whole yeah, time. And what if just, he does it again? And I'm so like, that's the one thing that gets me like is watching. I've always had this thing in movies where if you have a close up of somebody breaking somebody's finger, That'll fuck me up more than somebody slitting somebody's throat or monsters coming out of your face. Like, I can't deal with that close-up snapping of stuff. Digit manipulation. I was watching that fight live, and so I didn't have any... I didn't have a warning, obviously. There wasn't a... Uh, dear UFC viewers, Anderson Silva in the second round is going to shatter. When it was just like, yeah, yeah. this is going to... I mean, everybody was watching it, and then... People are like, wait, what What happened? I literally did the put my hand in front of my own eyes thing. I did the, oh, oh yeah. that was... Oof. No, it, threw, it, 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 it bothered me for a little bit, to be honest. I, uh, I felt really bad for him just like as a man, as a competitor to go out that way just because you know that somebody that's in that mindset, they'd rather go out dead than go out like that. That's why he's coming back because he's not going to yeah. let a broken leg be the reason why his career's over. Yeah. I mean, I do. I super respect that. It's just, ugh, you know. Right? Yeah, it's tough, yeah. though. But we'll see. I mean, only time will tell, but I'm not going to be negative to the guy. If it's his dream and that's what he wants to do, then I'll fucking buy the pay-per-view. Come on back, buddy. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of, hey, guys, it's me, Alex, and this is one of my patented openings. Tonight, I have Nate Brantley joining me on the show, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Enjoy the last two hours. I just, I thought it'd be funny to finally do the intro because we literally started talking saying, hey, do you want to do uh, one of the patented Alex Cast intros? And we never got to it. I never told anybody who you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, uh, fuck it. We're going to do it backwards. We're going to Quentin Tarantino this thing. We're going to tell you the story and we're going to go in reverse order. So. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Hey, guys, that was me, Alex, and Nate Brantley, at Nate Brantley on Twitter. Uh, let me... um. Uh, let me, let's just close out the episode here. Cause I think it's good to end. And, uh, let's, we'll, I'll record a, uh, I'll record a fake beginning and it'll be fun. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, cool. So thank you for joining me and we will, uh, um, this is kind of awkward cause we're going to talk more, but yes, thank you for joining me and let's fake say goodbye. Goodbye, Nate. Thanks for having me. Thank you.